So as we walk into this week, I say that we walk forward, we stand tall, we charge ahead and we make some bold predictions because our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate, but that we're powerful beyond measure. And with that, I'd like to kick off my hot take with four fights. Let's go, baby. Markachev beats Hooker. Yarn beats Texera. Tejira, whatever the fuck we're calling him. Sander Hagen beats Petter Yarn. The fourth. You ready for it? I'm ready. Drum roll. Caleb Plant knocks out Canelo Alvarez. Bang! Oh, Cross kick. One of them. You're gonna have to wait that little bit longer, but it's gonna feel even more saucier after the three get up this Saturday. Us us us. That's my hot take. All right, all right, all right. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of Blokes and Their Balls. By now, I'm sure you're familiar with the crew. you got me, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. The boys call me the captain. To my left and your right, we have the right-hand man of a lot to talk about. He's the crystal ball of Blokes and Their Balls. It is the one, the only, Mr. Liam Duffman Duffy. How are you, Duff? Good, man. Good to be here. Some say that I am actually the captain, and yeah. Brad's just the one for show, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's some, by some say his mum's been saying, oh, you're doing so well, Liam. Been a fucking home, home, a few home fans for this fella, I think. I don't think I've heard any other rumours around that. Um, and then to my right, to your left... The one, the only, the resident sports guy I have a lot to talk about and blokes in their balls, Mr. Jed Wells. How are we doing, fellas? Doing very well. Very excited to be here on this lovely Friday morning. It's fucking hot outside. It is. It's Almost hot in the studio. Pants, hot in and I got out the door and went, nope, and that's why I was a bit late, because I was not doing that. <laughs> Fair play. You've had some real controversy with Fitz. I have, I have. Over the course of our, our filming duration thus far. The first week, quite sweaty you were. Extremely sweaty. <laughs> Um, chose to sit with a pink fluffy cushion which has not been designated to any of our seats today I'm behind his back and really sweated up a storm for it yeah, it was a great great learning great learning moment you know yeah never gonna do that one again never do that again this studio gets fucking hot in summer I've had some pods in here where it's just a bit like you boys are, sweat fest. yeah you boys will begin to understand this summer it becomes a fucking sweat fest in here I feel like we need we're gonna have some shirts off episodes eight. that's like a shirts off episodes for sure <laughs> Start work on the rig now, eh? Um, obviously, we're here to talk about sport, all things ball-related, round balls, oval balls, the kind of balls that fit nicely in a man's hand, the kind of balls that dangle between your legs when you see two guys go toe-to-toe in a ring or a cage. Um, that's right, we're talking NFL, NBA, MLB, boxing, UFC, um, and the works. Basically, we're talking everything that's in season right now, except cricket, because really, ain't nobody got time for that. Not my thing, not my thing. Not my thing at all either. Not at all. Um, So I'll head off to um, our resident sports guy, Jed. Kick us off, what's on the run sheet? So as we do every week, we'll start off with our plays of the week. And I think it ties in pretty nicely with how the run sheet's looking. If we go to yours first, which was? Yes, my play of the week, which was just looking at it from the distance now. Brady, the GOAT. You know, he's got to be the GOAT of the NFL. Um, He gets his 600th TD pass which is a whole other story in itself, which we're going to talk about a little bit later as the boys go 
through their plays of the week and we dive into the NFL. But um, obviously a huge achievement. 600 touchdown passes is insane. And it, it speaks to the longevity and the class of his career long term. And the crazy thing is we're talking about 600 TD passes. We're so early in the season where he's in a good, informed team. And it doesn't look like being any closer to his last season in the NFL. So there'll be a few more to add to that tally, I'm sure. And um, as long as it's not against the Rams, I'm a happy man for Tom Brady. It's just crazy how much he's just stayed consistent since he was like oh. fucking 25. Like, I don't... I can't understand how you can still... Like, I, I get being dominant in your, like, later age, but still being just the exact same is just insane to me. Consistency is the key in any sport, right? And I think especially when it comes to creating a legacy, like there aren't many people in their sports that have created legacy in short stints of, of excellence. And, you know, whether you look at Michael Jordan in basketball, um, guy like LeBron James, Tom Brady, the other guys in that conversation, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, those sort of players who can perform long-term and consistently. And, you know, it'd be very hard to pick out a handful of bad Tom Brady games and um, all of his NFL career thus far. And, you know, it speaks to his commitment on and off the field. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, my play of the week, I have two. So I have one for the soccer fans, if there are any. Which I don't think there will be, but Mo Salah against Manchester United, he got a hat-trick. And as a Man United fan growing up, it hurt to see, but mm. it was still a great achievement. Um, that was a bit of a, a bit of a flogging, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolute rinsing of a game. Yeah, 5-0. At home yeah, too. Like. Yeah. Fucked, well, I've but. seen a lot of media around that this week. Obviously, we're not the biggest EPL podcast. Um, if we wanted to be, we probably would be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, crazy, crazy. Mm. And two like two clubs that have got a rich supporter base. Yeah. The two of the big, like really two of the top three clubs over in England as far as supporters and um, those dollar bills and all that sort of thing goes. So insane. What was your second one, mate? And then my second one, no surprises here. I sent it both to you as soon as it happened. The Lamello board, no par, no look pass mm. to the Miles Bridges dunk. Yeah. Crazy. That was Crazy. probably the second best dunk Bridges was involved in that game, I reckon. The first yeah. one was when Jalen Brown exploded <laughs> on him, but you know. Yeah. You know, he's doing it on both sides. We're focused on the good wins, not the bads. <laughs> That's it. We're, we're positivity yeah. perspective here at Blokes and the Balls. I was positive that Jalen Brown buried him. Yeah. <laughs> no doubts about it. Jalen Brown, he's um, he, his first year in the NBA? No, I think no. he's fourth or fifth now. Oh, fuck. I'm he's, thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of Jalen Green. Jalen Green. Yeah, Jalen Green. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Different My bad. Colour. Different colour. <laughs> Green, brown, all the same, really. <laughs> And then I'll stick with what Duff was doing. I'll do a bit of an NBA homer pick for my play. Coming into the season, everyone said, the Bulls' defense not going to be good. They're going to struggle on defense. We haven't. We've looked unreal. I think that was capped off in the Bulls' game against the Pistons. Lonzo Ball rises up, meets Isaiah Stewart, a center at the ring, and just sends him back home, catches him. Mm. Just absolutely unreal effort. Like I, There was no doubt in my mind he was going to get dunked on until he didn't. Like It was phenomenal. It's crazy the, the power of these athletes, hey? What they can do on a court, especially under fatigue and all that sort of thing too, is just fucking insane. The, the leaps, the hops on these boys. If you think that's impressive, wait till we do our 1v1s. Hey. <laughs> and play see me jumping up. Big calls, eh? Big calls. <laughs> Duff's, I reckon Duff would be explosive. You look like it. You'd have that sneaky hops. Yeah. 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 Like those Short like, man hops. The white boys in the league, like McDermott and stuff, where like, they were just out of nowhere, just drop the hammer and you're like, oh, I didn't know you could touch the ring, but... You're dunking See, and stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if Duff was explosive because fuck, he comes out with some shit from his mouth. So. 
And it's fucking like verbal explosive diarrhea. So who knows what he's capable of on the court. If it's anything like his fucking game talking. See if he can walk or walk, eh? Alrighty, let's get into it then. So we'll start off with the NFL. Pretty small week of news in the NFL, I guess, compared to other weeks, but still a bit going on. We talk about Brady getting his 600th. Of course, it was against the Bears because they just love getting demolished by good quarterbacks. And a bit of controversy. The fan that actually got given the ball had to give it back and then received some stuff in return. I don't know about you boys. I think he got really stiffed on this one. 100% he did. There was an interview like in the last couple of days where Brady was speaking. I think um, it was in the Saints game. Brady was doing like a bit of live commentary with... On the Manning cast, yes, yeah. Yeah, and... He was saying, really, that guy gave up his leverage as soon as he handed the ball off. <laughs> and he really should have held on for dear life. It's such a hard spot to be in as a fan because you know that if you don't hand that ball back, the crowd fucking hates you. You're you almost have to leave the game. Like, they reckon that ball's worth $12 million. I would have run. I would have, under the jacket, out of the stadium. Fucking Harry Bolt the eight. fuck out of there, eh? <laughs> Harry Bolt the fuck out of there. And, like... $12 million, that's life-changing for any average like average fan of the NFL, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, life-changing for fucking almost anyone, except Tom Brady. Saying. Yeah, <laughs> except Tom Brady. And I think they gave him a Bitcoin, season passes, mm. and a jersey. Yeah, signed. so they've given him a, an alternative ball that got signed, I think. Two signed jerseys, signed cleats, someone's helmet from the game. A $1,000 voucher to the shop, which I thought was just bullshit. Like, yeah. just give him money. You can't be like, to the <laughs> shop. And then, yeah, Brady also announced he's going to give him one Bitcoin. Which, Not like, bad at the is worth a lot of money. Like, yeah. it just sounds funny. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to give him a Bitcoin. It sounds like this rich dude being like, oh, you know, here's, thank, thanks yeah. for your service. Like, this, I'll flip you something. This fan's like Bitcoin will probably crash next week. <laughs> <laughs> it was fuck all. Um, no, I thought insane. I was... In my head, as soon as, like, my dad actually told me about this, he goes, did you see they gave away Brady's 600th um, T-down ball? And I was like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, couldn't have been Gronk that scored it because Gronk would have been so in tune with that. Gronk would have known. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know I mean, when you played together for that long, like, it's a big emphasis around the 600th touchdown pass. I was like, can't be Gronk, it's got to be Mike Evans. <laughs> it was Mike Evans. <laughs> what a brain snap, eh? Like. Yeah, yeah, surely. But I guess in the heat of the moment, you can't blame him. Yeah. Like, you likely do the same. I think he got a couple touchdowns as well. Mm. So maybe he got them mixed up. He was like, oh. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. I guess as well, like, you're in a, you're in, like, I, it is a game where they were going to kill the Bears. But, like, still, you're in a professional environment, you're playing. You can't really expect his brain to be on, like, oh, what, this is my teammate's achievement. Like, you're yeah. thinking... I've just scored in what I'm doing what I meant to do sort of thing. And Tom Brady being Tom Brady is probably not in the huddle before that snap going, boys, this could be my 600. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah, fair fair play to Mike Evans. I can imagine he got a bit of a fucking rinsing (laughs) after that. I wonder, wonder, like, I didn't watch the game. How late in the game was it? Well, second quarter maybe. I wonder how the relationship between those two was the rest of the game. I think it's probably like an honest mistake sort of thing. Yeah. I, I I don't think Brady would have held it against him. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting though. Interesting. He's too competitive to like let that affect yeah, his true. game, I reckon. True. Yeah. And I think he knew he would have got it back. Like same thing, you're Tom Brady versus average Joe fan. You go over and be like, Can I have my ball back? They're gonna be like, Oh yeah, here you go, like Alright, okay, so here's one for you. Hypothetical. You're the fan. I told you it would I would have been out the stadium. <laughs> the fan would have known. It would have been on all like the teleprompters and stuff, like six hundred. Yeah. Mike Evans gives me out the ball. 
I'm out the door before they realise what's happened. So they, I move to a different state. You never see me again. Okay, so hold on. Hypothetical, already. You're sitting at home, mm-hmm. stoked. You're looking at this ball. Phone rings. You answer the phone. Ready? I'm Tom Brady. Yep. Hey, sports guy. Hang up. Hang up. <laughs> Hang up. He's not getting No negotiation. Hell no. No negotiation. Unless he's willing to pay me what the ball's worth. No way. Okay. I just stuff. I'll I'll take a couple bitcoins. Tom Brady still likes me. I get like twenty two hundred grand richer. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. You know two hundred grand, say? twelve million. See, absolute idiot. But who's like? Would people still buy it off you? Absolutely. Collectors. Absolutely, sure. they would. To be Here's, honest, so I didn't think it would be worth that much. Here's my play. Like, yeah. Right, twelve. So it's worth twelve mil. Tom calls me. He goes, "Cap, what's up?" Okay. Who's this? He goes, "It's Tom." Tom, Tom who? who? <laughs> nice, Tom nice. Brady. Ah, uh, yeah. I know who you are. And he goes, "So that ball's worth twelve mil." And I go, "Funny that. Why do you think I got away so fast?" And he goes, "Well played." And he goes, "Just quickly." Ever thought about playing receiver? Nice try, champ. <laughs> then I go, give me the terms. And he goes, well, I want that ball back. And I go, well, how about this, Tom? If it's worth 12, I'll do your deal. Give me eight. Give me season passes. Take Private me chat. on the next Brady family holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of it, me and Giselle sail off into the sunset. Oh, okay, because I was wondering about that, but I that his wife? His wife. Victoria's Secret model. Not bad. I yeah, like that's, yeah, I Look, like that. yeah, you sold me on the end part there. I wasn't yeah. sure about it. Yeah. I was like, they're going to hate you on that family holiday. You're not going to have much fun, but... <laughs> yeah, the as long as really... Giselle loves me, baby. <laughs> also in the NFL this week, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs fell again. Derek Henry threw more touchdowns in that game than Pat Mahomes did. <laughs> it was only one, but that's that kind of comments more something. on what Pat's been doing. It's just shocking. Well, look, I was I was high and mighty last week. My uh, my hot take was Patty Mahomes over three hundred yards, turnaround for the Chiefs, you know, and they did. He got the over three hundred. They had a good game. They got a good win, and I thought maybe this is the tipping point where their season starts to move in the right direction. They get that snowball effect, you know. They start to pick up some momentum, and they come into the end of this season ready to go. And look, the Titans are no slouches. But, but, this is a very different Chiefs team to what we've seen in years of past. And it's almost like a passing of the guard, I feel, in the AFC, where they've had their moment in the sun. And I almost feel like that game ball, per se, is being handed off to who I think will be the top seed in the AFC this year, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's looking like So it. it just, it's not a Chiefs team that we expected to see this season. Um, but I feel like it's like anything, right? After time, you know, holes in your game are exposed and teams have had three years where the Chiefs and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes in particular have run rings around the NFL and it's only been, you know, the top one or two teams that could compete. But we're in a stage now where it feels like people have worked out, Patty Mahomes have worked out the Chiefs and unfortunately I don't think this year is the fairy tale that they wanted or hoped for off the back of their Super Bowl loss last season. Have they lost players, or is that, are they just not finding the right players? Like, just I think I just think it's ex- exposure, really. Yeah. Like they never had a great defense. Yeah. Um, that's been exposed even more so this year, and I think, like we said, just 
opposition defense has figured out how to play Patrick Mahomes and when you give him time and you don't blitz him which is where he performs well then he isn't as as effective and I think it's also it's like pressure pressure's there's something to be said for pressure like it's very hard and we, we just spoke about we pumped up Tom Brady just there for being consistent long term it's very hard it's a reason why long term consistency is so impressive like we're talking about a team who Goes so close, wins a Super Bowl, just misses a Super Bowl against Tampa last year. There's three seasons now where they've been at the top of their game and they're building, they're building. And off the back of last year, it's almost like such a kick in the guts to lose that Super Bowl against Brady and the Bucks that it's, it's really hard to find that next gear again, to find that little bit better when you felt like you were almost at your best. And some people crumble under that pressure. And unfortunately for Chiefs fans, um, this year, that's, that's much of the story they've had to deal with in this first, what now, six, seven rounds? Yeah, seven, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, I don't know, really, really interesting to see whether they can pull a cat out of the bag in the last few rounds of this season or for the last half of this season, yeah. but it doesn't look likely. Well, I was watching Mina Keynes on um, the NFL Network, and yep. she, she had a really good point, actually, about she's really into analytics and all that stuff. Like, she's mm. really dialed into the numbers. And she was saying that a lot of this Chiefs thing, they've just had a lot of turnovers, and they've ended up being really costly. Mm. So a lot of it is, like, they haven't been playing great, but they've had just tremendous bad luck as well, like, turning it over just on, like, the goal line and just in really bad situations. Yeah. So, like, if we look up in three months and they're, like, a Super Bowl contender again, I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah. But as well, if they miss out on the playoffs at this point, I'm not going to be surprised either. They want to, I think they can go either way from here. Yeah. They, just, they need to get some consistency going. Like, you can't have, like, last week you run a team out. Yeah. And then this week your quarterback doesn't throw a touchdown. Like, you need to get something rolling. So what point, at what point <coughs> in the season do you boys think it's too late to turn that around? I'd say probably by midway. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're not a contender halfway through the season... You have to fucking ratchet into like tenth gear to really make a shot at it. What's their record right now? I think they're losing. I think they might be like two and three or three and whatever we're at, three and four maybe. I feel like if they're not if they're not over half or they're not over fifty percent win rate by round ten, you start to panic. Yeah. I feel like you start to panic because then it feels like then you know it's a real, it's a real fucking hard effort. Yeah. Like they're three and four as three of and four, today. Yeah. It's not a Chiefs team we're used to seeing, but maybe it's the Chief team of 2021-22 season. It's looking like it. Jared Goff faced off against the Rams for the first time, and he finally helped them get a win. How do we yeah. feel watching that bit of a jealous ex situation, you think? A little bit, a little bit. And it's it was a danger game for me as a Rams boy. You know, I spoke about it in our last pod. It's almost like when you're expected to win, you often switch off. And I said, I don't think the Detroit Lions are as bad as everyone's made them out to be this season. They've, you know, all of those losses this year have been really close games. There's been two decided by field goals in the dying seconds. There's been many decided by less than seven points or seven or less. This was one of those games that got really close there at times. And Detroit were actually up in the third quarter, I believe. I was... Um, unfortunately stuck in the office, didn't get a chance to catch the game, but was checking the score pretty consistently. And I thought, oh, fuck, I'm not going to hear the end of this on Friday <laughs> if the boys don't pull through. Um, but I think it shows the class of the Rams, like Cooper Cup, another very good game. Matt Stafford on the ball again. 
um, and you know we're moving in the right direction but the Detroit Lions I don't think they're all that bad of a team and I can see them being one of those teams and there's always that team no matter what sport or what competition we're, we're discussing that cause some of the top teams a little bit of trouble especially towards the back end of the season where you know they've just got to be on their game um, and they can really shake things up and you know whilst Jared Goff didn't have the the time or the career at the Rams that everyone had hoped for him as a first pick out of the draft many years ago. Um, he definitely showed moments and and pieces of absolute magic out there on the paddock and uh, no doubt that in a Detroit Lions team that's building, if he finds the right combinations, he can be dangerous at times. So the Rams are rolling. They've obviously got a really good record, but they've had a few shaky games. Mm. Going forward, what do you think they have to really focus on if they're going to solidify themselves as a contender? It's just connections. I think it's just connections. And there's obviously a very good connection between staff and Cup. I think those other connections need to be worked on, though. And it's something that our defence hasn't looked as solid as it, as it has the last few years. And, you know, we lost a few players and um, a few of those were traded. And I, I feel like we're just starting to settle foundations where there's actually a lot of new blood and new energy in the squad. And to have a new quarterback, that's a whole other ball game where... Uh, no pun intended, where um, you've really got to form those connections and it quite often for most teams takes seasons. Um, we've been lucky that we've seen glimpses of that through that cup Stafford connection. I think that's why he's been such a go-to. It's just talking to a few boys in the laneway down here today while I was having a coffee and they were talking about how Robert Woods is, you know, the class of receiver he is, but he hasn't really been used all that much and it's probably just because that connection is still so young. Yeah. Um, and I think towards the end of the season, we only get better. And I'm really excited to see once once we're in a spot where there is maturity there. And I think this season um, will be far from the best season under Matthew Stafford. And I think next year is even more exciting when Cam Akers comes back into the, the squad and um, we've got a, a real running threat. Whilst our, our running backs in Sony Michelle and Henderson have been really good thus far this year and they've done the job, um, I'm excited to watch the Rams keep growing and um, I think there's some scary weeks ahead for um, our other NFC West divisional I mean, competition. You still have that loss to us, just don't forget it. Early days, brother, but early days. Cop is someone who I really like to watch. Yeah. Like He's fun to watch, isn't yeah. he? And he's got good energy out there. Like he's, he's the kind of guy that he just he radiates competition. Like you can see it, he's built for this. And he's been good for a few years now, but he's come into his own this year with under that sort of Stafford combination. So I'm excited to see them piece together a whole bunch of whole bunch of TDs, a whole bunch of yards, and um, hopefully a Super Bowl this season. So no doubt they're going to be one of the teams up there. So yeah. So from Super Bowl pretenders to Super Bowl contenders, the Cardinals are still undefeated. We've got Zach Ertz in. JJ Watt is unfortunately injured now and might be out for the season. Mm. How are they looking, Duff? Fuck. It's good as always. We've got a tough game today, though, Green Bay. Yeah. Us, that'll really like either cement us as serious contenders. Like we haven't played anyone too good yet. Like you know they've all been average teams, the Rams <laughs> that we pumped. <laughs> and that'll be a bit of a grudge match too, because apart from that, just the first game where Rogers just didn't look like he was like showed up to play. Yeah, the Packers haven't lost. I was yeah. just gonna say that. I think we all we almost got a little bit emotional and caught up in that first game, and it, 
in many ways, it was almost like the Aaron Rodgers fuck you to the Green Bay Packers. Like I thought he was going to do it for the whole season. Pull a James Harden. <coughs> it's all, you know what it really was? It was almost like, hey, you're at the mercy of me here. Just reminding them like, Just reminding yeah, them he's like got all the bargaining I'm the out. fucking captain of the ship and you know what I say <laughs> ultimately is what goes for the season of the Green Bay Packers. And I think he also realised though that um, it's pretty easy to pull a player off the field if they're not performing. So... Um, we've seen we've seen Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does um, from there on out, and this is a real like you said, Duff. It's a real test for for Arizona, and I think they're one of those teams this season, especially the way that Kyle is playing. Where you know, I like, honestly wouldn't be surprised if they're in the Super Bowl. Like it's you know they look that good and they look really impressive, and you know it is relatively early in the season, um, and there'll be a whole heap more matchups that help decide whether. Um, they are what we think they are in this 21-22 season. But today's a good test, mm. and I think it will require a strong start to make sure that a, an Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary in the dying moments isn't um, costly. Green Bay don't have um, Devontae Adams. He's he out today? Yeah, he's Ooh, got that's COVID or something. Shit. Yeah. yeah, so that helps us. But then we're Sounds missing like what? Sounds compromising Tess on the side there. <laughs> It's um that's that's a real stroke of luck. Yeah. And he's he's obviously that best he's that go to, he's that best connection for Aaron Rodgers. So um without Devante Adams, I didn't know that. Um Certainly nice helps. work there from Duff, nice work <laughs> with a little scope. Um but yeah, I think definitely that for me that's probably as a betting man, um, I'd probably have my money on, on the Arizona Cardinals today. More of a broad broad question for you boys. In a situation like that, like say your team beats like say the Cardinals beat them but they don't have it, do you consider it like less of a win? Like if, I don't know, yeah, if your team beats yeah. another team but they're losing one of their best players, it doesn't, does it still like pop as good or are you still like a win's a win? A win's a win, but you don't feel like, you'd feel better if they beat them with Adams. Yeah. You don't feel like just, safe, do you? Yeah, no, exactly. It's kind of like going out, it's kind of like, go, okay, you know what it is, it's kind of like <laughs> going to a Victoria's Secret model party Yeah. and you pick up, but you're the only bloke in the room. <laughs> Chances were, you, you know, something's, you know, luck was going to favour you. Um, but then they invite all the male models and you go, my prospects don't look as good. We're getting a deep glimpse into your psyche, aren't we, today? What's on your mind with the Victoria's yeah, Secret? Yeah. My, my prospects don't look as good. And unfortunately, I think that's always the, the insecurity you have as a fan when you beat, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like in fighting. Like if one guy's injured or one guy's got a broken hand, he's only throwing the jab or he's only <coughs> throwing that left hand you start to become a little bit more confident. And if it's a title fight, you're like, fucking beautiful. Like, if it's a Super Bowl and Devontae Adams is out and it's the Cardinals and, and the Packers, so be it. And that you was know, my we other get to question. Lift it. Yeah. was, like, in, like, a championship game, do you consider it less of a championship? Like, you hear people talk about Asterix championships because one guy was injured and stuff. Mm. I personally don't buy into that. I think that's just part of the course of playing sport is like yeah. staying healthy. 100%. And that's, that's part of it, right? And I think at any stage, that, that is one of the challenges of... And I think the good coach... Like we've seen it this year as a Rooster supporter in the NRL. This year with a, a team that was heavily injured and had 15 of their starting 17 out at one point in time... It really the emphasis becomes on the coach. How can you keep the rest of this squad healthy? How can you keep us winning games without straining the squad that we have? And ultimately, it's it's exactly like this year. The Rabbitohs go down in the grand final without 
arguably their best player, Latrell Mitchell. But Latrell's consequences... Yeah, I was going to say that. I feel like that's a bit different because you can't point towards it being bad luck. Like, he did... Yeah. In my yeah. opinion, at least, he fucked up and he had to pay for it. It wasn't yeah. like he, I don't know, did his hammy or something and then couldn't yeah. play. And, like, injuries are hard because it, it can be bad luck, like you said, but ultimately it comes down to good strength and conditioning in pre-season, yeah. good rehab, prehab, all those protocols, resting players who are tired and a little bit broken. And the good coaches and the good coaching staff know how to do that. Um, but ultimately, yeah, when it's mid-season, you know, what are we, round six, seven in the NFL? I can't quite remember. Um, you know, if, if the Arizona Cardinals go out and beat the Green Bay Packers today, which I very well think they should, then that question will be, well, if it's a close, especially if it's a close game, um, does a Devante Adams in the Green Bay Packers yeah. change that result? But then and, it's also like there's no iron team. Like they shouldn't be relying on ooh, their one 100%. player to win as well. And that's, that's the thing about building a squad. And it's the thing about, it's one thing that's made me really confident about the Rams this year. Three really good receivers. Yeah. Cooper Cup goes down. Yeah, it changes the way that we play. But you know that you know Robert Woods is going to get a little bit more ball and then he's the go-to guy. So it's one of those things. And Green Bay's got fucking plenty of good talent outside of Devontae Adams as well. So... Um, good question, and you know I think it's it's arguable depending on the time of season yeah. and exactly who you're playing. Well, it was one that pissed me off last NBA season all through the playoffs. Like the two teams that made the finals, I like I think they were probably the best teams, but chatter on both sides like oh the Bucks only made it because the Nets had people injured. Yeah. Um, the Suns only made it because the Lakers had people injured, and then Kawhi got injured. Like yeah, that stuff happens, but people forget like. The teams in the finals also get injuries. Like, Giannis was out for three games against Atlanta. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, Chris Paul went out. He hurt himself against the Lakers yeah. too. Like, when you've played that many, in any sport, when you've played over a year, mm. you're playing every single week, physical games, injuries are going to happen. It's a part of life. A championship team is one that can play, not play through them, but adapt when they have people go down. I think if you speak to any athlete, you begin to understand. And, you know, I've been lucky to interview a few and... I've caught a lot of media on athletes, and as a fan of sport, you're right there, Duff? Yeah, just fuck the mic up a yeah, bit. Yeah, okay, as he does. <laughs> Professional as um, always. Yeah. I feel like you, you begin to realise that no one's ever at full health come yeah. end of a season, or even like with fighters. By the time you've been through a 12-week camp or an 8-week camp, however long you, you go into camp for, you've cut weight, you've done the sparring, you've done the rounds, you've played off. the games. Yeah. <laughs> um, you literally... <laughs> So true, we'll get to that later. Um, you literally go into that expecting to be probably a little bit injured and a little bit battered and bruised. Yeah. It's like me with my marrow prep. By the time you get to 16 weeks, fuck, something's going wrong. Like, you're not going to be at full health. It's very unlikely and you fucking hope you are, but quite often it's not the case. So, the, you know, the best players and the best teams um, know how to fight. <laughs> through those moments Zach Bid's calling and fuck that face of his on that phone it's disgusting um, you said no if you've listened to Zach Bid's on the show before but yeah it's um, it's definitely one of those things that's inevitable so it'll be interesting to see the, the result of today's yeah. game using that segue perfectly injured players Russell Wilson's still injured for the Seahawks there were some videos that came out of him running some sort of drills fully non-contact before their game but Seahawks lost another one. No disrespect to Geno Smith, but he's clearly just not at the level that they need for quarterback. Can the Seahawks get Wilson back in time to make a run at it, or is this season a wash, do you reckon? Um, look, here's the thing. 
Um, I think even with Wilson back, the Seahawks season is over. You know, they're arguably in the strongest division in the league at the moment with, you know, the two teams that we've just spoken about heavily there, the Cardinals and the Rams, um, in that NFC West with them. And then also the San Francisco 49ers who aren't too shabby of a side themselves and definitely can do damage at times. Um, I think the Seahawks probably are last seed in their division this year and I don't think there's much of a chance for them whether he's healthy or not, which to me really says, and, you know, this is hard for a Seahawks fan to hear, but you know, don't rush a man back who's a big part of that side and will be for many years to come. Give him the time to, to heal, to recover, and to come back strong. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is fuck him up for any longer than you need to. Especially when you talk about Russ, like he is getting up there in age. We just talked yeah. about Tom. Well, I think one of the best things about him is he's never had a long, sustained injury like this. Yeah. And if you've got one with Russ, yeah, just let him play it out until he's fully healthy. Like, you're not rushing, like, they're not going to win anything this year. Like. No. So there's no use trying to rush him back just for the sake of getting a few extra wins on the board. And I think the reason that... Fuck, that was a loud bang, wasn't it? Something going on outside We're being the studio. Raided. Yeah, fucking some, someone trying to get in and take some photos of the boys. Um, I think that's the thing with Tom. His prehab, rehab situation is so good. He spends so much time and money on keeping that body of his in prime health that you don't have those injuries. Yeah. Those things don't... And when they do, you handle them straight away and you, you're patient and you take the time. So... I think Russ needs to, to put his season on ice for a little bit um, and when that ice melts and things look clear and he's right to come back, then come back strong and healthy. Yeah. And just give Gino more game time as well. Like, yeah. He's only played like three or four games or something, hasn't he? Like, yeah. Let him play so out till Russ is ready. Yeah, yeah. Like, experience. Seasons. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for him. And then the last quick one, just for the NFL, we saw over the week Mark Ingram was traded to the New Orleans Saints. Mm. And some of his teammates seemed pretty happy. Alvin Kamara was on the socials, I think tagging him in, just saying, let's go, looking very excited. Yeah. Mark Ingram was very good in that um, that season for the Ravens two ago. Uh, looked really strong, looked really healthy. It's been a little bit quiet the last season. Um, and I think hopefully a, a fresh start for him in a team like we spoke about before that's rebuilding towards something new with a new quarterback in Jameis Winston, um, James Winston, I should say, and, um, you know, Kamara, who's a fucking freak of nature too in that receiver position. Um, it's exciting to see what maybe those three guys can bring as a package for the Saints. Do we think Jameis sticks with the Saints long-term? Or are they just seeing what happened? I don't know. It's hard to say. He's got the talent. Um, he's definitely got the talent. He's got the errors in his game too, which he needs yeah. to work on. But I think... I think for him, he just needs time around other good players. And he's still so young. Like, he's, he's what, third season out of the draft. Um, like, he's still so young in the scheme of things. So give him time, and I've no doubt he can be of high quality, you know. Everyone yeah. starts somewhere. Any closing thoughts on the NFL this week going forward? Any big games you got your eyes on, apart from today's that we talked about? I think today is one of the biggest games of the week. I haven't looked too much at the schedule ahead, to be honest. It's been a busy week. We spoke about that before, but... I think the NFL is just, if anything's been proven of the, the first few rounds, it's that any team can beat any team on their day, um, and that makes for a really exciting competition. And I have no doubt that coming towards the end of the season, there'll be a few do-or-die games where teams really have to give 110%. And it, this feels like a year that things have been shaken up. We're seeing a few teams like the Cardinals of the last few seasons who weren't even considered contenders, who this year... Um, at beating the top dogs of, of the years past. So I'm fucking really excited for this season and 
excited to see how um, our two teams in particular go and hoping that the, the Bears can fag one or two more wins before season's end. Yeah, you, you might have noticed more. I didn't bring them up. Yeah. <laughs> Got embarrassed by two of the best quarterbacks two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. Solid job. The Bulls are doing good, I'll say that. That's where my attention's been. <laughs> That's probably a great segue into, yeah. into your favourite sport we'll and one of the favourite sports of, of our whole crew. We just had the first full week of NBA action. We had half a week last week. Yeah. But boys, I'm going to start it off with what I'm going to call the Sports Guys Commandments. We're going to add these to a list as we go on, I but like this, this is the first one. No more Ben Simmons talk. I'm over it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what he's doing at training. I don't care about his fines. I don't care if Embiid loves him, <laughs> hates him, what fucking, like, what stage of the moon it is, depends. Yeah. Until he gets traded, radio silence. I'm, I'm done with it. I like so, it. So, as call. these are the sports guys' commandments, um, I think with any new commandment that is introduced or proposed to the panel, um, we all just give a here and a raise of the hand in agrees. Uh, so, I'd just like to say here. Here. Perfect. Let's and it's decided. <laughs> Righto. So another thing we did last week was we put up on the Instagram story, you all better have seen it, we put up some um, NBA starting day hot takes. I think mm. Duff was talking about Middleton having a great game. You picked Steph and, I mean, not LeBron and AD combining. Yeah. And my pick was Steph was going to come out firing, have 40 plus points. <laughs> he didn't. He had close to the worst shooting night of his career. Got a triple-double, but I think he had like 23 or something. Yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, so Steph's going to take a while to get into it this season, you know, new team around him and stuff. Comes out the second game, I think he had like 46. <coughs> so, fuck that. I'm not happy. <laughs> but... <laughs> So the Warriors are looking really good this year. I think they're still they're the only other undefeated, or they're the only four and team with the Bulls. Yeah, they've got some great new pieces. Sneaky way to mention the Bulls are four and there. They won't. Yeah. I'm going to mention them a lot less sneaky later. Don't <laughs> yeah. you worry. That wasn't the only time it's coming up. They look they look really good, don't they? And Steph looks fucking great. And I love to fucking see it because I think I said it earlier in in the pod, like maybe the last episode or the episode before. They're one of those teams that. You just want to see him do well. Yeah. The good characters in their squad. I love Steph's energy, his attitude, the type of person he is. He's such a great player to watch. I'm a real fan of those guys who can shoot, which is weird because I was a Ben Simmons fan too. <laughs> no more on that. Um, but Steph looks really good so far, and they're winning basketball games. So, you know, you spoke about one of your hot takes early in the season was them being... Um, one of the, the two teams in that divisional matchup, and you mentioned the Lakers as the other for the West. Um, man, like, Warriors look fucking really good early on, and, um, you know, I'm sort of backing you there. I think they could be there at the end of the season. Yeah, well, Jordan Poole's looking unreal for them. Otto Porter's slotting in almost perfectly. Nemanja Belitsa looking phenomenal. He's So the other teams he's played at, they've played him as sort of a spot-up shooter role, which he does yeah. well. But that's always discounted his ability to drive and to move the ball around. And that's what the Warriors are really making him do. And defences just don't know how to react to it. They've never seen him do it before over in the States. Yeah. So, yeah, if they get Clay back at even 85%, I think they're definitely a championship contender this year. Scary team. From the team in that first matchup that's looking incredible to one that's looking pretty disgusting, the Lakers (laughs) are falling apart already. We've had them lose... They lost yesterday to the Thunder, which are just like perpetually a tanking team. LeBron's already injured. AD and Dwight had a dust-up on the sidelines. What's happening? Yeah, it's, it's not looking good for them, is it? And it's that, classic, it's that classic situation where team spends big money, buys all these star players, but they don't gel all that well together. And that's the thing. It's, all, it's always a conversation 
when you spend that sort of money and you build that sort of team that's full of superstars, they clash heads. And we've got experienced players who believe in their methods, their ways, the way that they see the game being played. We've put them all into this mix and it's guaranteed that there's going to be disagreements. And it just doesn't look like they're gelling all that well. Experience usually means in the big games and the big moments, you're able to pull through. It hasn't looked like that at all. Did you see and the been finish the of the game opposite. yesterday? I didn't. So... Oh, the, um, yeah. the air ball. Josh Giddy, yeah. not his finest moment. They bring him in for the inbound. Throws it straight to Carmelo. Everyone's thinking, game's over. Melo misses the ring by probably like two feet. Fucking it was shocking. air ball if there's ever been an air ball. But that, I think that was just a pretty perfect encapsulation of their season so far. Not just that it was an air ball, but Carmelo was the dude taking that shot and just how badly it went. Do With you, oh, you go. Do you see Russ also got a quadruple double the other <laughs> yes. day as well? The 10 turnovers as well. Yeah, that's insane. Oh, that's the thing with Russ is he will always play at 400%, good and bad. He'll go yeah. in there. He'll get 10 assists before halftime. He'll score 30 on some nights, but he will like get 15 turnovers. He will get ejected because he's angry about someone getting a dunk. <laughs> like, for good or for bad, he's never going to put his foot on the brake. And that's right. just... It's who he's always been as a player, but as he gets older and he loses a bit of that athleticism, it becomes less of an appealing thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's almost like, as we've spoken about with many different sports, you get to that point in your career where when you lose athleticism, your game has to change. His game hasn't changed all that much, do you think? Because his game was athleticism, really. Like, yeah. with those early Thunder teams, and he kind of had... So KD was obviously the dude on those teams. Yeah. So Russ didn't have to shoulder the responsibility that he did once he left. Yeah. But I think once KD left and Russ had that role, it was then really hard for him to go to Houston and be like, back in the... like. The passenger yeah. seat go to Washington Beals obviously the dude there now he's like fourth like I think it's just going to be really hard for him to be like alright I only need to shoot five times a game instead of 20 yeah and that's the thing if he if he can fix that and adjust that and learn to to be the guy in the back seat who just plays his role it's probably going to be really good for the Lakers it's just whether he can do that or not and not every player has that ability to switch off and go, oh, I don't have to be the man anymore. Exactly. Because once you're the man, you like the way it feels, you like the way it sounds, and um, you get a taste of, of being that number one guy, and it's hard to give it up. Like it's being like the captain. Me. It's yeah. like me, yeah. <laughs> when you're the captain of the ship and the man in charge, it's you got to watch fucking the boys either side of you. Um, they're always gunning for that top spot. <laughs> in saying that, they remind me a lot of what we said about the Chiefs before, that we look up at the end of the season and they've won 55 games and they're a top seed. Mm. Not going to be shocked. You can yeah. never count out LeBron. AD's looking probably close to as good as he's ever looked. Yeah. Russ and Melo know how to play winning basketball, even if they haven't done it recently. Malik Monk's really good. THT's really good. Kent Bazemore's been giving them something off the bench and in the starting lineup too. Yeah. It's just about making it all mesh, and I think they underestimated how hard it was going to be when these dudes were at that advanced age where it's not like they've been playing for five years and being the dude. They've been mm. playing for 15 years and they've been being the dude. Yeah, like and I've got my, my magic tee on, so who knows? As long as the magic tees are live, there could be some magic Very in, true. in Laker City. I've seen so. that show on you a few times. Do you ever watch it or not? Um, not really. On occasions, <laughs> once a month. Once a month. It's magic, brother. You don't need to. The one thing for me about the AD and Dwight fight, like, Dwight in the presser came out and was like, we're all good, it was a beef, we squashed it. I don't know if you guys remember, but in that last Warriors run in 2019, I think it was, when they lost to the Raptors, 
halfway through the season, there was a clip that came out of KD and Draymond getting into it on the bench, having a huge fight. Mm. And it was the same thing almost. Like I think probably a day later, press conference, oh, we just had like a little issue, but we squashed it. We're all good. But from there, you could see the team wasn't gelling. The chemistry was off. And they did an interview actually before this season. Like Draymond has this thing for Bleach Report. And they sat down and talked about it honestly. And KD was like, that, that was the moment I knew I was going to leave. That because the team handled it really wrong. Like they want to just keep it between them, but the team like made him apologize. And it just, yeah. it was just a warning sign of what was to come. And yeah. I think seeing stuff like that two games into the season, so, a little yeah. bit of a red flag. Usually yeah. it comes with, and I don't know, it's likely because you've got a team, like we said, full of superstars, so much expectation on their shoulders, not performing, they all start to get frustrated. Yeah. Like, you know, you know when you're in, like, even when you're in a fucking, like, weekday sports team, right? And you know you're a fucking better team than the way you're performing, you get frustrated. You're like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, why isn't, why aren't you doing what you normally do? Why aren't you doing your job? What, what happened there? Like, yeah. what was that brain explosion? You begin to take it out on each other. And it's going to really take those good leaders in that squad, LeBron, AD, the coaching staff, to come together and bring that squad together and, and to get through these, this probably what's going to be the real rough first stage of the season. I think if they can, like you said, fuck, it'd be no shock to see them at the end of the year. But I'll say and I'll declare, hear my words, mark my words, write them down, fucking clip this. I hope the Lakers have a fucking shocker. It'd be good to watch. I, I can't yeah. admit that I'd be, like, disappointed. I, I would enjoy it. I, I love to see an underdog story come to fruition and I hate to see a team who just buys superstars except for the Sydney Roosters the <laughs> one exception a team who buys superstars just fucking win championships it annoys me and it's a reason I'm not on the it's like the only person I like at the Nets right now is Paddy Mills yeah um, I'm on like I love that underdog story so Philly boy Nick's bandwagon this season. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I like it. And that was part of what made last year's final so good is you had Milwaukee, a team that was... They traded for Drew, but Giannis, they drafted and made who he is. Chris was a G League guy they brought up. Like, that was a really homegrown team. And then the Suns, they traded for Chris Paul, but he's, like, mid-30s. No one thought he was going to be what he was. Yeah. But DeAndre, they drafted. Fucking Mikhail Bridges, they traded for on draft day. Devin, they drafted, like... These were both teams we'd seen go through the mud together. So when they're at a champ, like, they, you know it meant something versus if 100%. the Nets made it last year and it was like Harden jumped ship because he wasn't happy in Houston, KD left to be with Kyrie. Yeah. It just, it doesn't feel as great. It's the fairy tale. We all buy into the fairy tale and it's where the underdog story is born. It's born from the trenches of understanding the pain of loss and watching the pain of and the suffering that goes into you know, winless seasons and missed success and missed opportunity that when they have their moment in the sun, it fucking feels so special, even if you're not a fan of that team. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of watching those underdogs succeed. And I think it's one of those years where um, anything can happen. Absolutely, man. You brought them up, so we'll chat about it now. The Nets are another team that were favoured to go all the way, but they're not looking great right now. Obviously, Kyrie, I'll put him in with the Simmons thing. I'm kind of over-talking about yeah, that. Yeah, here. Yeah. But he's just, he's not looking. So the Nets, they don't have him. KD's doing his best. James Harden's really struggling. The NBA's brought in new rules, so they're trying to get rid of all the um, defensive fouls drawn. Yeah. And he's lost, I think, 
10, 12 points a game just on free throws. He's averaging like three a game yeah. right now. And I read an article this morning from Dan Devine at The Ringer saying the Nets have like a historically bad offense right now. They're like second worst in the last 15 years wow. or something, something like that. They're looking really bad. That's pretty scary, isn't it? And so, like you said, such a contrast to what we expected at the start of the season with so many weapons. But similar to the Lakers, they brought in Millsap. They brought in Aldridge. They've got Griffin. A lot of those dudes were the guy on their team for 10, 12 years, and now they're coming off the bench and stuff. It's just, it's a weird dynamic. But someone who is shining on the team is Paddy Mills. He became the first ever NBA player to start a season 10 from 10 from 3. He has missed since then, but he's had some pretty big games filling the role left by a few of those unmentionables. Yeah, it's, you know, it's almost likened to, to my debut in the basketball realm um, when I hit those two threes um, in the, the early minutes of the game. <laughs> Um, but, you know, he's obviously gone on to have much more success than I did um, in my basketball career. I don't know, it sounds like you had a pretty good one. <laughs> first game was pretty good. Um, and then it went very Russell Westbrook after that, <laughs> there on after that first 10 minutes. But, yeah, he's, like, he, he looks good in some things. But then, like we sort of said earlier, um, you sort of touched on Duff, his points per game haven't been all that impressive in the last few weeks. And it's... Um, I guess it's a conversation that will be really interesting. You, I know you threw your hat in the ring to say he could be six man of the year, and um, it's something that's not been an unpopular opinion. There's definitely a few people saying that. So I'd love to see Paddy do well. He's he's one of those people that I don't think there's a single Australian who doesn't like no, Paddy Mills. He's a legend. Like he's just such a legend um, for the game, the game in Australia in particular, and also just for the culture. Like to see an Indigenous boy like performing in the NBA is really fucking powerful and cool to see. Uh, so I hope Paddy continues to have a good season and continues to hit those shots. And it'll be interesting to see what he can do. He might even get more opportunity than expected at the Nets if you know some of those big players aren't performing. So who knows? Because he can really play as that sort of like the pressure release. So like you've yeah. got him sitting there, but you know he's consistent. So you can go to work and know you've got someone to kick it out to. Well, he's been in those big moments, hasn't he? Like he was part of that Spurs championship team, mm-hmm. like... He's been, he's been there in the big moments of the big games against big players, you know? Like, when they beat the Heat, that Heat, was a fu- that heat side was a fucking Juggling stack it, yeah. side. So, you know, I think Paddy's got all the ingredients to be an absolute fucking treat come those big moments at the end of season. So it'll be interesting to see um, what that story and what that fairy tale looks like as the, as the year goes on. Well, that was your hot take, wasn't it, Doc? Yeah, I had him... Well, I mentioned in the group chat, like you said, Paddy Mills, six man before the mm. season started. I reckon he could get it. Like, there's a few good six men, though, like Jordan Clarkson, um, Tyler Harrow yeah. has been going off as well. Yeah, yeah. Tyler's sick. He's got such an energy about him. He's such a dude. Well, before the season, he came out with this quote that was like, people talk about Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and I don't get my name in that discussion. And understandably, at that point, got hammered. Everyone's laughing at him and stuff. I mean, but, he has a song named after him so but yeah, I'd take that water. I was going to yeah. say him and Jack Harlow are actually like they're like two peas in a pod they're Legit. two white yeah. dudes <laughs> who are so black at heart <laughs> they're so black at heart like they they could almost pass you know what I mean they've got like the honorary vote by their peers have you seen the video of, I think it was media day last year where it was Jimmy, Bam and Tyler talking Yeah. and Tyler was like yeah I can't swim and Jimmy's like oh damn you really are like hood sort of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, I think I've seen more stuff of Jimmy talking about it. And he's like, he's one dude where it's like, you right there, Duff? Yeah, just fuck this the mic again. again. <laughs> um, 
It's like he's one dude that it's like he's an honorary black guy. Yeah. And like we've given him the pass. So yeah. yeah. No, he's he's sick and he's in form and he's been in form mm-hmm. for, for a couple of seasons now. So um, it's Matt, like I said, I love seeing young players. I love seeing those stories and you know, and seeing the almost the passing of the guard. It's almost like the superstars of the last five years were almost handing over the reins to these young guys now who are coming through and look really impressive. And the Heat are rolling. They beat the Nets that we talked about. But being able to bring Hero off the bench because you've got that lineup mm. you do with like Jimmy, Kyle, Bam, PJ now, which is awesome for them. <laughs> Depot, like if they go to the finals, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think they've almost been a little bit discounted this year 100%. because of last season? You know, like that that series against the Lakers two seasons ago. Well, I think that's the sure. thing, yeah. They were in the finals and that was so far above everyone's expectations. Yeah. And whenever that happens... No matter if a team's here, but they make the finals the next season, everyone thinks they're here, even when they probably were still here. Yeah. So then it looked like they underperformed when really they played to their level. The Suns this year. Yeah. So now they're probably up here, but people still think they're here because yeah. they went shit. So yeah. that'll be one to really keep an eye on. Definitely. Um, Chris Paul became the first ever player to score twenty thousand points and get ten thousand assists, which mm. is phenomenal when you think about it. Just a credit to his longevity, to his ability to play with other guys, his ability to get his own. He's a really like a short guard too, so yeah, the point guard. In, insane. How many seasons is that for Chris Paul now? I think really close to like 17 maybe. Oh, wow. That's like, even that in itself is an achievement. Like we said, to, to be at the top of your game and to stay, you know, fuck, the NBA is very competitive. Like, you know, to be able to stay at the top of your game for 17 seasons and to continue to be a marquee player a marquee signing for the sides that you're in. It's amazing for him and twenty thousand and ten thousand that shows that there's more than more than one thing to his game and um, credit to him. And that's it too, like last year in the finals, two games in, people were ready to give him finals MVP. Mm. Obviously we know how it went from there, but to be that old and to make that impact on a team is just unreal. Yeah, amen. Good to, good on him. From a point guard who's doing really well to one who's not doing that well, Dame Lillard has had a shocker to start. He's shooting like something terrible from three, like two from like a double digit number. Like he just, I don't know, it is early going. I saw people talking about that. Like people, Steph and other people last season had rough starts, but Dame just really doesn't look like himself right now. Posing a question here, Dame's one of those guys who's a, a multi talented um, man. He's you know, an NBA player, but he also spits some fire in the booth. Fair to say that tragedy and heartbreak make for some of the best hip-hop songs on the planet. Is this the the changing of the guard where Dame really levels up in his hip-hop career and has some real tragedy and heartbreak to write about and kind of eases off on his NBA days? I reckon once he retires, he'll go fully into it. Yeah. I think it's still too early to, like, write him off this season, though. He should... Be able to come back. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm just, it's, yeah, it's just been a bit of a rough start for him. Bit of a, I'm just going to go ISO on this one. I really love the Orlando Magic this year. They've got Wendell Carter Jr., who was he'll always have a soft spot in my heart, being from the Bulls. Mm. Cole Anthony went to UNC. I thought he was drafted way lower than he should have been. He didn't do great in college, but looked unreal. Suggs this year, he's going to be really fun. RJ Hampton, obviously the yeah. NBL connection. They're not going to win loads of games, but they're just a really, really fun little team. So always those teams in any competitional game where you really enjoy watching them. They've got that playing style that's fun and it's entertaining and exciting. 
Um, I haven't actually watched any Orlando Magic games this year, but maybe that's my my call to plonk my ass in front of the telly and like consume some magic. There'll be one of those teams where they might be getting beat by 15, but they'll just still be fun to watch. Yeah. I forgot Mo Bamba too. He's looking a lot better this year than he has, which is mm. awesome because had a few worries about him. He looked really great coming out of college. It always takes a while for bigs in the NBA, especially just to get some weight on to bang with the big boys. Imagine you're like 18, you're playing against guys your age, you come in, you're matched up against like Joel Embiid. Like, yeah. It does take a while, but, but he's yeah. looking like he's found his legs a bit too. I was yeah. watching them versus the Hornets yesterday and I was getting worried. They were looking, they were looking really good. Yeah. Yeah. They're, just, they're just fun, man. <laughs> Speaking of the Hornets, this is me and Duff are going to connect here. LeVar Ball was right all along. Yeah. The Ball brothers are absolutely rolling. They're fucking impressive, aren't they? And it's actually cool to see because whenever there's so much talk, you want to see a bit of walk, you know what I mean? A little bit of walk on the walk. So um, Lamelo's been great this season. Lonzo's been great this season. The Hornets look fucking great for such a young side. And I think we even said in the first week of the pod they were going to be an exciting team to watch, but how many games would they really win? Well, so far they're winning a lot a of fucking lot, games. Yeah. Fucking um, beat the Nets the other day as well. Yeah, like they look good. good. Yeah. Ish a, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucked. <laughs> They're a fucking sexy looking team with Kelly Oubre and Lamelo Ball. So um, we're all about the, the Charlotte Hornets on blokes and their balls. So power to them. And that's the thing with Lamelo. I still for the life of me can't figure out why he wasn't the first pick. Love Ian Edwards. He's going to have some fun in Minnesota. James Wiseman, I think, will be almost like we talked about just before with Mo, where... In three years, he'll suddenly come into his own. It's just going to take a while, especially on a team with championship hopes. Yeah. But Lamelo, I just was so obviously the number one pick. And it reminds me really strongly of when Luca went three. Like, yeah. it's because they played internationally. So you've got all these American guys being like, they didn't play in college. Yeah. But they've proved it immediately. Like, Lamelo is so fun and so good. Well, I think it worked out. It actually worked out perfectly for Lamelo, didn't it? Like, you heard him a lot of talk around draft time where he's like, I didn't want to go to Minnesota. That place is too fucking cold. And really, he'd hoped to end up in Charlotte. Yeah. And it's worked out well at a Michael Jordan-owned team, at a team who's been open to allowing him the time on court to flourish and has given him an opportunity. And I just think any time you've got a young guy in any sport who has the confidence that he does, the way he plays is with such confidence that, really, it toes the line of going very right or potentially going wrong. And... The way that he's been able to perform, the confidence that he has, like, it's scary what that guy can do with and more time out it's there. It's on the only court. going up as well. Like, last yeah. year he went, he like, rookie of the year and everything, he went off. But then this year he's gone up another level. 100%. It's like, good it's to see. It's so cool to see. It's, you know, really begs the question that it would almost be like the fairy tale if we did get to see Jello play some minutes with, with him and, like, do eventually the Ball brothers end up together? You probably hope not. Um, unless it's at Chicago. You want to sign Leandro go for it? I don't think he's helping as much as you think yeah. he would. No, but I've just been like... I oh, don't Lonzo think and Lamello. Is that what you meant? No, no, I mean, like, I mean like all three of them together. Like you just almost want to see that because it's like what they spoke about growing up. It's what LaVar spoke about. It's like the three boys together on the field. Like imagine... It'd be a cool moment. Baller. A cool moment. Jello is obviously a completely different class to these two where he's not there and he's not at that standard. Um, but man, Lonzo and Lamelo are playing really good, and Lonzo's been so impressive. He's working his way up my list of favourite Bulls very, very quickly. He was last year too, though. He was very good last season too. Like, 
And I think it's it's almost people wanted to hate Lonzo. Yeah, because of his dad, because of everything yeah. pre-draft stuff. And that's why I've always had a soft spot for him. Is I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but they always do these sort of pre-draft commercials where they get all the sort of the guys they think are going to go lottery. And they did like a Father's Day one. Yeah. And it was like they had everyone else in that draft was like, oh, me and my dad sort of go fishing. Me and my dad like play basketball. Then Lonzo goes, I love when my dad goes on national media and says that he could beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one and that I'm going to be the best point guard ever, even though I've never played and stuff. Like, yeah. he's always been really self-aware. And I, yeah. and like you said, he was great in New Orleans, but that was a badly constructed team like we talked yeah. about last week. And they just don't get the eyeballs that they do. That's why in Chicago, everyone's watching him every night. He's got yeah. Zach there. He's got Alex. He's got DeMar. They're, he does all that stuff that they're not going to do. He defends hard. He passes. He's yeah. an unreal shooter. Like, yeah. he's phenomenal as a shooter, which is a credit to how hard he worked. You know what it is, too? Like, I can't blame LeVar. As a dad, like, you'd be so proud of the fact that your three boys are... Even though Jello's not an NDA player right now, and he's not probably top-tier quality, you gotta be so proud that your three boys are professional athletes. They're making a living and a life for themselves in the game that they love. Man, my, I remember when I started this podcast, I was about three episodes in, my dad's walking around telling everyone that, like, I'm better than Rogan. <laughs> like, it's just, like, the pride you have as a parent, yeah. like, when you're seeing your kids doing stuff that they love and, you know, it's part of your dream too and obviously part of his dream was to have his boys in the NBA and they got their brand. Um, it's really cool to see. So you can't blame him for, for talking up his son and it's like any parent at any sports game, their, their player... Um, well, the star player on the field is their kid. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's cool to see those guys fulfilling the prophecy that that father, LeVar, um, had spoken about for so many years. Well, he reminds me a lot of Richard Williams, Serena and Venus Williams' dad. Like, I haven't seen too much of Richard. But... So it's the same thing where, like, he was drilling them from an early, early age. He always said they're going to be star players and stuff. Mm. And there's actually a movie coming out about him either right at the end of this year or early next year. He's being played by Will Smith. Yeah, I've seen that. So a bit of a question for That's you. Cool. If they make the LeVar Ball movie, who do you think plays LeVar? Ooh. Will, got Will one Smith's in my head, but... one of those guys up there. You know who I think... You know who I think would be great for that role? The way he talks, the way he commands himself on screen, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. You have to put some kilos on, but I think he'd yeah. do a really good job. I was thinking Denzel Washington. Mm. Like, just that real aggressive, yeah. I told you so attitude. Yeah. I was thinking Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence I think he Fishburne, visually yeah. resembles him a little bit, and yet it'd be so yeah. funny to see, like... that'd be. I think it'd be a movie they could have a lot of fun He's doing. He's left the field. Danny DeVito. Yeah. Uh, I rate that. Although... Mm, Bit too funny to short, be short white man. Completely. I think they'd have to cast a black dude. Is the only thing. Just put a short white man in there. <laughs> Never played a game of hoops in his life. Shock everyone. It's not the obvious choice. I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> Hollywood hit us up. We've got. We'll start right about this Another one. Idris Elba. Mm. Oh yeah. I rate him. He's he's class. He's mm. a good actor. Did you guys say he did a song with Lime Cordial? What? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's That's called mad. Apple Crumble. It's just like on this random song. Because he does a bit of DJing He stuff. does, yeah. So he's, yeah, just... It just came on Spotify. My girlfriend's like, Oh, Lime Cordo have a new song with this guy called Idris Elba. And I'm like... <laughs> this guy called Idris And I was like, Oh, yeah, hard. you read the name wrong? And she played it. I'm like, Holy fuck, it is Idris Elba. Like, <laughs> yeah. string her bell from the wire. Just getting on. He, he had a TV series on Netflix that I was actually a fan of for a minute there. Um, it was called Turn Up Charlie. Oh, yeah. Was, I didn't yeah. watch it, but I heard of it. Yeah, and I, was, I actually thought it was quite good, and I asked it. Like maybe I've got shit taste. Classic Netflix though. Yeah, classic yeah. Netflix. 
Um, talking about the Bulls a bit more, just because I want to, and we didn't talk about mm. them enough. Currently 4-0, first time since the MJ days. I think as we speak, they're facing off against the Knicks, who are another very exciting team. Yeah. Let me check the score for you real quick. But this will be our first big test. Toronto pushed us further than they should have, considering they didn't have Siakam. Scotty Barnes is great, but yeah. I think the next 12 games is like Utah and Golden State and the Lakers and I think Denver maybe. Like We've got a big run coming up that'll make or break us, but mm. 4-0 is nothing to scoff at, no matter who you're beating. No, 100%. And I tell you what, like I said before, fuck, I'm a fan of the Knicks this year. There's some energy around that team. Can we like, talk about the video? The Should video we, I think we've got to insert it in. Yeah, I'll so insert fancy, the yeah. video in the edit because that video is just fuck. It's what being a fan of a team is about. That's New York. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. So like, if you guys haven't seen it, it's called Side Talk New York City, which is these two guys who run just like a web series of stuff going on in the street. And they did an episode of the Knicks home opener, and they won against the Celtics in double overtime. And they just the fans went crazy. <laughs> Funniest shit you'll ever see. They're calling out Tom Brady. They're calling out Trey Young. I was thinking, why'd they even call out Trey Young? I thought they must have versed the Hawks or something. <laughs> no, no. They no. just still hate him from last year. You know, you know what I love, though? For me, it was very EPL fan TV. Yeah. Like, the energy and the conviction. Because they're, like, they're super... They're, there's passionate fans and there's EPL fans. Like, they're fucking do or die. And it's like, they live for their team and they live for the game on the weekend. The Knicks fans had that energy. And like I said, it's, it's so cool to see the fans of New York getting what they've really deserved for so many years. And they've got now arguably two sides that they can enjoy and watch in the Nets and the Knicks. Um, they don't have that in, in football. Yeah. They've got a little bit of that in baseball with the Yankees, but it's, um, it's so exciting to see. And, you know, you want to see any team who's playing at Madison Square Garden have a real fucking crack. So I'm excited for, for the Blue and Orange this year. And... Um, I'm bandwagoning, so when I'm not watching my Philly boys, I'm going to be on that Knicks. Speaking yeah. of the Knicks, the Bulls are beating them by five in the Dang. first quarter. You heard it here first, boys, five and oh. Five <laughs> updates, which That's makes no work. sense, because by the time you watch this, it'll probably be tomorrow. <laughs> um, but, you know, interesting um, game. And then just a quick one before we tap out of the NBA. We didn't chat about it last week because it dropped literally 20 minutes before we jumped on, but the NBA released the full list of the 75 team to celebrate the 75th anniversary pretty controversial like you'd think this mm-hmm. list might be easy to make but there are a few big names that got snubbed I think that the top of the list is Dwight Howard wasn't on there Tracy McGrady Vince Carter Manu Ginobili I don't think Tony Parker made it yeah wow. some of those names I thought were, and I got what they were going for there was a mix of so they did an NBA 50 in like for when there was a 50th anniversary yeah. and they didn't cut any of those guys they just added 25 more which okay. I don't think was the right call I think in 25 years some of those dudes have become more outdated and we've had guys come yeah. through. Yeah, there's there's new goats. There's, yeah. you know, there's that conversation is always like, you know, when someone new comes through, do they challenge for that greatest of all time? Do they challenge for one of those top... There's always talk about the top five players of all time, right? And 
There's plenty of controversial opinions on that. Let's do it, boys. What are our top fives? This will be. We'll put this in the Spotify link. Vote on who you agree with the most. Okay. Should we do all time or current? All time. All time. All time. Fuck. You guys we'll no, no. right. I don't know the NBA. I'm gonna have to copy some of you two. <laughs> yeah. I'll go I'll go MJ, just King. Nice. Larry Bird, because I used to have a jersey when mm. I was like five. Is this in order? No. Oh gee, Should it be in order? No, it doesn't have to be. I was just, just checking it wasn't. I don't know. Um Lamello, just cause new oh, era, nice, new nice. king. This guy. Um <laughs> fuck, who else? Yeah, let's just take the mic off, turn it off. <laughs> um, who else? Fuck. Steph, I guess. Steph Curry. Fuck. LeBron. Mm, I don't really rate LeBron. Is that a big call or what? It's a bit of a wild call, personally. I'll go Anthony Davis. Jesus wow. Christ. What the fuck's with that yeah. list? <laughs> so I don't know my NBA. So basically, this between me and Jeff. Um, I'm an NBA fan of more recent years, so my history isn't as quality, but I've watched plenty of the conversations, watched plenty of stuff and media on the old days. For me personally, number one is MJ. I think it's it's very hard, even though there's that LeBron argument all the time, what MJ's done, the like the absolute fucking just like relentlessness of that man and the athlete he was and the era of the Bulls. Um, when they had those six championships, it's got to be MJ um, up second. Kobe, Kobe, the king. Um, big fan of him. Magic. Yeah. Magic. The shirt. Nice, that I've got. Nice, you, nice. Know, you know how it is. I had a feeling this was going down today. Um, LeBron. He's in that conversation. Number five. Number five. Number five. Who we got? Number five for me. The guy I'm gonna throw in there is. Man, there's so many guys that it could be. I feel like it's that. For me, it's probably that MJ era. Like, it's got to be someone in that era. And there's a few people that I always hear in the conversation. Larry Bird's one of them. Charles Barkley's another. Um, I might go Chuck. Nice. I just like his energy. I'm a big Chuck fan. Yeah. People that know me would know that for the... I think for like five years, my Instagram username was the white Charles Barkley. I only okay. changed it to my name when I started having to apply for jobs and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't want him, didn't want him thinking I was an idiot. But yeah. big Chuck fan, loved him since the Space Jam days. Yeah, nice. I think for me, controversial. LeBron's number one. Ooh. Weird as a Bulls fan, I know, but I just think the longevity of what he's done. Okay. And just how incredible he's been. MJ too, obviously, but it's almost like one A and one B. Like I yeah. think it's so hard to split them. Mm. Kareem number three. Ah. Oh, Current points Kareem leader of all time. Abdul. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Has anyone heard that little dicky? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. Um, number four, this man right here, Magic. Magic. I, I, it sucks we didn't get to see his career play out fully. Like mm. the age thing, obviously, did cut out yeah. a few really key years. But he won Rookie of the Year and MVP mm. in a year. Insane. So phenomenal. And then five's where I always have trouble because like it could be Shaq, it could be Tim Duncan, it could be Kobe. Shaq's another guy. Could right? be Steph if you want to be a bit controversial. Hmm. And I want to be controversial. I'll go Steph number five. No one's going to Ooh. like that call. But <laughs> Crazy. I love Steph. I think he's fundamentally changed the game. And I mm. think once he retires, his resume is going to be all time. Oh, and we're still we're still early Steph. Yeah. yeah. He's got another 10 years, I reckon. Yeah, fuck. Still so early. And he's almost like the... Um, if you look at those guys and amongst those greats, those goats, those guys in the, in the conversation, game's a little bit different where... He is that long-range shooter, which 
a little bit different to those other guys. And I think he um, it's kind of like the modern NBA player. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely a part of that conversation. So, um, righto, Duff, that's enough <laughs> from you, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, that's the thing. With the 75 team coming out, guys like Anthony Davis made it and Luka Doncic, and they're definitely not top 75 now, but you can see what they're trying to do is future-proof yeah. the list a little bit. It's the same as, so when the 50 came out, I think it was it was around when Shaq was still coming up and was young, but all the voters knew he was going to be something. And you look back on it now and you're like, oh, obviously Shaq. So I think they were going for that same thing. But yeah. I think they've discredited Dwight Howard's the main one for me. He was like a three-time yeah. defensive player of the year. Yeah. Been on countless All-NBA first teams. He was, the, he was the best player on a finals team. Mm. LeBron, obviously... No, he beat LeBron. Then it could be with the Lakers or something. But yeah, yeah Dwight... It's because of how his career's turned out since then. He's bounced around a bit. He's become more of a rotational dude. But yeah. for those five to ten years in Orlando, he was unbeatable. He was just... Like you said, he was Superman. He was everything. Yeah. We'll jump from American basketball into Aussie basketball. Just a few quick things. Um, David Anderson has retired. Phenomenal Australian player. Played NBA a bit. Bounced around Europe. Played NBL. Played for the Boomers a bunch. Shout out, Dave. He's just had a great career. Great dude in Australian basketball. Yeah, bow down. Should be really proud of his career. He's obviously one guy that is a big part of the conversation here in, in the Hawks supporter and fan base. And um, good on him. Good career and time to kick the feet up and I can just watch a few games, eh? Absolutely. And then a little bit of a thing going around in the NBL. It's, it always comes up like at least once a year. But So the NBL team spending is private. You don't know how much guys are making. You don't know how much teams are spending. Mm. And I personally believe that should be made public like yeah. you see in other leagues and stuff. Not because I'm like... It's not necessarily like I'm dying to know how much like this dude's like earning per week. But I think it just it helps fans engage a lot more in the game if you can talk about like, oh well, this guy we signed for this much money, we could have got him at a print. Like it just it aids discussion. So I definitely think spending should be public. I think the business is a part of the supportership and the fanship of any sport, and it's definitely something that's spoken about heavily in the NRL, um, and really every other sport for that matter, worldwide. I think it also keeps teams and leagues accountable to. Um, the way that they pay their players and um, how fair that is and the progression of the game moving forward as more money comes into it. So I think it's definitely something they've got to look at um, making public. I didn't know it was private, so this is news to me. So fucking wild NBL, sort your shit out. Yeah, as like an NRL fan, like that's all you hear about. Like the million dollar man, who's yeah. it going to be? Who's going to get that next big contract? And yeah. Keeps the fans more interested. It's postseason shit, eh? Like yeah. It's, po- it's what keeps the game going exactly. postseason. Like even even if it's like negative talk comes out and people are like, oh, he doesn't deserve the money and stuff. It's all interaction. It all aids people talking about the game. Yeah. Like it's it, it's something for people to talk about because otherwise, especially in the off season, you just forget about it. Yeah. It's like this team signs this guy. Great, that team will be fun. You forget about it. But if it comes out, they sign him for this much money. There's another week of discourse. Of yeah, life. you're like, oh, let's go. And that's what the NBL just needs to get in the conversation. And so I, I think that'd be a great way for them to do it. Definitely. This Sunday, we've got UFC 267 coming up. We've got the full lineup here. We're going to read them out, each make a prediction and have a little chat if we want to. Yeah. Some of them we won't have much to say about. But A couple of great matchups on this card. In fact, we're entering what I like to consider peak UFC season. As it heads into the end of the year and the beginning of the year, it's always around that New Year's Eve card. There is so many fucking great fights. And I think it's just because... You know, it probably doesn't matter all that much in the, the scheme of a calendar year or just 12 months, but 
you almost get to that point of the year where there's been a couple of big fights around that New Year's Eve card. Whatever the results of that early, early or end of year results and those winners of fights and those championship changeovers and those big moments in the UFC, the year sort of works itself out. And then we start to figure out all those contenders again. And we come into that year where they all fucking face off, or that time of the year when they all face off. And um, there's a few of them coming up in this card and in the card to follow. So, fuck, I'm so excited for this Sunday and the next couple of weeks in the UFC. So, headlining first off, we've got Blaukowicz versus Texaria. What are you thinking? Um, Jan. Jan easy. looks so good um, as that light heavyweight champ. He's easy to get behind, powerful, wrestles really well. For me, I didn't think he was as good until I seen him beat Izzy. Um, and then I was like, holy fuck, this guy's actually far smarter. Like, his fight IQ is really good. And... And better than I expected. Um, you know, Glover's one of those guys that's been there for so many years. He's been part of the conversation for so long. And I think, unfortunately, the light heavyweight division is a division that um, has a, a real lack of contenders yeah. at the moment. And I think Glover's kind of there because there is really no one else at this point in time. And I think he'll be outclassed. And I'd be surprised to see um, this fight go more than two rounds. I think yeah. it ends in in a big brutal KO and likely if so I think um, Tajira I think as you pronounce it um, yeah it's Brazilian. I didn't, didn't feel good about yeah. that one I'll yeah it's, it looks like Tajira but I think it's Tajira um, the Brazilian pronunciation probably fucking wrong but um, <laughs> yeah I think this is probably towards the end of his career and I think if he doesn't get the title this weekend which I can't see happening I think he probably hangs up his gloves and yeah. calls it a day yeah the way that Jan beat Izzy like that, like, fairly dominantly, mm. it'd be tough to see a guy that I would consider a lot, like, a many levels lower than Izzy to come through yeah. and take yeah. him out. Yeah, 100%. Second up, we've got Jan versus Sandhagen. This is a bit controversial. Obviously, Jan's last fight, he lost the belt. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Disqualified for kneeing Sterling while he was down on one knee. Yeah, it's, it's hard because Jan... Pete, Petty Arn's one of those guys that it's really hard to tell if he's as good as being the champ. Like, he's kind of... It's kind of one of those divisions that a lot of the talent is coming up the ranks as we speak. And Sander Hagen's one of those guys who's so dangerous. Had a, You know, Sander Hagen was another one of those guys that everyone said, is he contender quality? Yeah. Then that fight against TJ Dillashaw, which I thought TJ won, um, and he did. Um, I thought... Fuck, well, actually, Sanderhagen performed really well. It's a really close fight. He is a contender because TJ, I think, arguably, once TJ is not injured, if TJ wasn't injured, that would be the fight yeah, right sure. now. Um, but I think once TJ is healthy again and he's sorted out, I think he's the champ of that division without question. Um, this fight is going to be a real challenge. Um, I think Sanderhagen might get him. I like it. I think Jan's yeah. tough, but I think Sanderhagen is a little bit more unpredictable. He's going to have the reach. Um, and as opposed to Sterling, who I thought was um, doesn't have the reach, he's not as tall and not as lanky. And um, Sandhagen's very unorthodox, very hard to predict where he's coming from. Um, and Petty Arnie, I just think he's going to struggle um, this weekend. And, you know, Corey Sandhagen, I'm in his corner. So, And it's also very hard to get behind um, a, a foreign champion just yeah. because it's... You know, 
Jan doesn't do all that much media because he barely speaks English. It's kind of broken English, so it's hard to get behind him and his story. And um, I know he fights over at Tiger or trains out of Tiger. Well, he did at least for a long time in Thailand, Tiger Muay Thai. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Sander Hagen, I'm on that bandwagon this weekend. Yeah. I usually go against you on these ones, but yeah, I'll jump on with you, yeah. Sander Hagen. Yeah. He's, he's exciting to watch. And anytime you see a guy with that kind of style, fuck, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm not a big Jan fan. I thought that last fight yeah. wasn't stoked with how it went. I was just, just stupid. And yeah, I'd, I'd see Sander Hagen taking it too. Fight three, I'd say probably the fight we are most excited to see. Mm. Islam Makachev versus Dan the Hangman Hooker. Very, very excited for this one. Dan obviously on a really quick turnaround from his last fight. Islam, baby Khabib. I think they're very different fighting styles. So I think it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how Dan reacts to it. But... I don't know. I think Dan's got a bit of mongrel in him. I wouldn't be surprised if he catches him early. Islam's coming in thinking, replacement guy, short camp, I can sort of ease my way into it. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I can see it have just a quick one where he's just not really locked in as much as he should be. So here's my thoughts. All right, ready? Drum roll. Um, I, I went into... I'm a, I'm a Dan Hooker fan, of course. Trans Tasman, um, he's a Kiwi brother. And anytime you see one of those guys in the UFC, you want to see them do well. Dan Hooker showed so much strength and character against Dustin Poirier when they went toe-to-toe. And you almost thought this guy's... You're unable to knock him out. That's fucking durable. To take that much damage and keep moving forward, unbelievable. But... Unfortunately, I think that fight cost him a little bit because we've seen his chin exposed against um, Mr. Michael Chandler and the way that he almost didn't look like himself, he, you know, he's running backwards. We've never seen him move away from an opponent like that. He was always a move forward and strike and very similar to Sandhagen, very unorthodox, great kickboxer, really tough guy to fight because he can kind of hit you from anywhere. Um, but in that fight against... Chandler, you could tell he was petrified. <coughs> Fuck. Excuse me. I'm alright. <laughs> Jesus. He was he was petrified of being wrestled. Petrified of being taken down. Because he was going to be outclassed on the ground if he was. And I think it's much the same in this fight. I think, for me, Markachev is one of those guys that... Um, is so talented. Anyone who's in Khabib's camp scares the fuck out of me. That's true. And I think he's the lightweight champ. It's just a moment, matter of time until he's crowned. And um, unfortunately, I think he'll outclass Dan Hooker. I also think what is arguably the hardest fight in Dan Hooker's career thus far, coming into it on such short notice, um, makes it even harder That's to prepare true. for. Um, and I think, unfortunately, for... For Dan Hooker fans and um, trans-Tasman UFC fans, I think this fight will be over within the first one or two rounds. And you have to add as well, Hasbro is going to be there supporting Makarchev. So that's like just, an extra 50%. I tell you what, like, I can just see a Khabib Connor-style post-fight brawl going down. <laughs> Hasbro is in there fucking going to fucking Abdul and Dan Hooker's corner. Um, it's going to be a fucking wild weekend of UFC, that's for sure. What are your thoughts on that, Duff? Uh, well... Dan Hook is a Kiwi, so he's basically Aussie. Yeah. So I'm on his bandwagon. Hopefully he can get it done, but it's going to be a fucking tough fight. Hey, and as they say, a good fight, though. everyone's got to punch his chance. So. And that's, I want to clarify. I wasn't saying I think Dan's going to win. I'm mm. just saying if he's going to, that'll be how it's done. Yeah. But 
yeah, Islam is very, very like meticulous. So fucking scary looking motherfucker, isn't he? I watched his press conference yesterday too, and he's basically just got no emotion, which is just if I'm gonna fight a dude and he's talking like he's like in an economics class, that's like when the alarm bells start going off. Like fuck, he's not excited. He's not worried. He's just like, yep, we're gonna go and fight. Cool. Second thanks. nature. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um, under that, we've got Volkov versus Tobura. I'd be honest, I don't know anything about this fight, so I think yeah. I'll let you go ISO on this um, one, Bradley. Don't know Tobura that well at all, but I know Volkov, and um, he's one guy who has had his moments and had his fair share of hiccups in that heavyweight division. Um, you know, arguably a skilled guy, though, and definitely one of those top top fighters in the heavyweight division, um, likely just based off the fact that I've not heard much of Tobura. I think it's probably Volkov's fight. Yeah. Um, you know, in that division, fucking anyone can get knocked out um, when there's so much power. But, you know, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring and say roughly off the top of my head, maybe it's a maybe it's a full, probably three-round fight yeah. um, that goes to a decision with Volkov. And Volkov's quite a, he's quite a, a lanky heavyweight um, compared to most and maybe just outstrikes him and stays on the outside. And, um, yeah, prediction on a fight that I don't really know too much about. It looks like one of the only ones that might go the full length. I can see the three above it ending yeah. prematurely. I'd, so. I'd be surprised if the three above it go to decisions. Under that, we've got Jing Lang versus Kimaev. He's a guy I think has a little bit of juice. Mm. I don't think he's achieved as much as he could have, but he has had some pretty electric fights coming up so far. Yeah, I think... I think so. How do I pronounce it? Jing... Jing... Jing Lang, I think. Jing Lang. He's, I think he's the most devastating Chinese... UFC fighter ever um, that's what I've seen the other day in the car I watched a bit of Countdown um, Chimaev he's scary too he was really scary leading up until when he got COVID yeah. and then he made that call that he was going to retire that he oh, didn't that's recover. right yeah that was him hey. yeah he came out and said he didn't recover from COVID all that well and he was really struggling post COVID to recover from um, the respiratory symptoms that had hung around um, interesting fight um, I like Chimaev though and I think he's got a lot of character and um, same thing a guy who's could be quite emotionless at times and, and with that comes a little bit of power and fear and I think he's probably the classier opponent in that matchup and then to round it out we've got I don't know if I'm pronouncing either of these names right but it's Ankalea versus Ozdemir I've heard of Ozdemir so I'll just go in his yeah, corner me too. Um, haven't heard of the other guy haven't heard either then so that's it we'll try and remember what our picks are and we'll talk about it a bit next week but yeah. it should be a really fun card <laughs> keeping it in the combat sports realm some boxing for you. Mm. Some of the biggest names in boxing have announced they're going to clash. Of course, the one everyone expected to happen, Mike Tyson and Logan Paul. Just yeah. pretty evenly good boxers, I'd say. Both in their primes. Both looking to put on a great show. Not in it for the money at all. Love of the game fight, that one. Fucking love Iron Mike Tyson. Such a fan of Iron Mike. I hope he murders him. Ah, <laughs> uh, like I'm not, I'm not against Logan. I quite like Logan. And I, it's a conversation I've had over the course of the last few weeks with guys like Harry Garside, the effect of the Paul brothers coming into boxing and what it does for the sport. Tyson Fury talks about it a lot. It brings eyes to a sport that for so long was dying. Um, but I'm a big boxing fan. I really love good quality boxing fights. And arguably for me, when boxing fights are done well, you've got good matchups. Um, it's fucking like poetry to watch. It's so exciting when you get good boxes. This is obviously not going to be... Um, a classy boxing match it's going to be scrappy you know Mike's a legend arguably one of the best of all time in the heavyweight division and the fact that 
he's going in there against quite a young athletic dude who's likely going to have the size advantage in there in terms of weight. Will definitely have the height advantage. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I think, man, you know, Mike's old, but fuck, Mike, Mike bangs. That man's going to fucking hit hard. And, and he's looking um, good too. Like a lot of those videos come out in the last year or two of him getting back in shape and he's looking like a brick wall again. He's, he's a scary motherfucker for his age. So I'm really excited to see how that fight goes down. I can see it being quite scrappy. Um, I'll be interested to see the clarification of the rules and the way that they're going to the way they're going to police this bout and the way that the commission is involved. But, um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Iron Mike's corner and I think just a, um, you know, it'd be nice for the boxing community if, if one of the grades got up in that fight. I wanted to ask you, actually, you said something that interested me with um, Harry Garside talking about celebrity boxing. Mm. So he was pro-celebrity boxing. He enjoyed the attention abroad. He said he, he's juggled it throughout okay, the course yeah. of his career. Obviously, the frustration of... You know, these guys coming in, having not done the work. Like, Harry's been a boxer from the age of nine. Yeah, he's done the work. He's been broke. He works the extra jobs. He does what he can to survive on very minimal wage. Actually, Michael Zarafa was in my barber's um, shop the other day right, getting yeah. a haircut with Toski. And Tosk was saying, um, Zarafa was talking about how people think of oh, professional athlete getting paid big dollars. Not the case. No. And for a lot of these boxers, especially in Australia and these countries... Where the US is a lot of money in boxing, but Australia it is a real battle until you get to that world stage. Um, I can imagine it would be really frustrating to watch these guys come in and, and earn big dollars. But ultimately, I think the ones who are passionate about the sport of boxing and they're there because they love the sport, whilst a lot of the fans go, fuck them, they're not real boxers, fuck that, that ain't boxing. Well, the truth is your sport's dying. And if you love boxing, then you should love the attention that anyone can bring to the sport. And yeah. You know, these guys, whether their lack of appreciation for the hard work that goes into being a boxer from the age of nine or six or 12, um, they're bringing eyes to the sport and that's what the sport needs right now. So um, I'm a fan of it and arguably there's going to be some guys of really good quality calibre um, who are on the undercard of that fight and get their chance and their moment in the sun to shine. And hopefully the casual fans of boxing become real boxing fans. That's really interesting because this week I'm um, writing up a story about George Cambosis. He's obviously mm. facing up against Tiafimo Lopez in November. Yep. And that was one of the questions in the press conference posed to him was his thoughts on it. And he was pretty against it. He, he definitely felt like the attention was going to the wrong people. One of the reasons they had to reschedule their fight from one day was because Jake Paul was fighting on that same night. So Trilla, who was in charge of it, like, elected to move his fight. Yeah. And it was a little bit, he said it was a bit of a kick in the pants that, like, yeah. he's fighting for all these, like, actual boxing belts, but his yeah. fight has been moved because some YouTube guy wants to do it. But at the same time, fame's fame, and if you want eyeballs, that's the stuff you've got to do. One of the greatest promoters in the sport, Eddie Hearn, talks about it all the time. You can shit on these guys who are casual boxers as much as you like, but ultimately there's respect that needs to be given for the fact that they've done the hard yards to build a platform that allows them to sell these fights. I'm, I'm a George Cambosis fan. That guy's doing amazing things for Australian boxing. And I fucking hope he lifts that belt against Lopez. The thing I'd say to George, though, as a fan of the sport, as someone who appreciates what goes into boxing, there's a reason that your fight was moved and yeah. theirs wasn't. You know what I mean? And it's, you can't argue with eyes. And you can't argue that as much as it is for you as a fighter who wants to make money... It's a business for the promoters. It's a business exactly. for the networks. And 
when they are able to justify the move of an actual title fight for a Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley matchup, you have to go, well, maybe we're not doing enough as fighters to promote our sport and to promote our fights. Um, so they've got to do a better job at that. There's a lot of characters in boxing. They just don't promote themselves well enough. And when they do, I can't imagine anyone was moving Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder for a Jake exactly, Paul fight yeah. because Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder know how to fucking market themselves. So as much as you're an athlete, you're a marketer too and you're a promoter of your own game. Um, so you've got to step it up a little bit and um, use the eyes that are on the sport to bring that attention your way. I think that's where boxing needs to like learn from the UFC. Like 100%. their ability to just put on these crazy fights every weekend. If boxing Amen. was doing that, we'd all be watching it. But because they that. come like once every blue moon. Like, exactly right. Yeah. And you know, arguably the greatest fighter of all time, Floyd Mayweather. For as much of a flog as that bloke is, he recognizes the business and the marketing and the promotion of fights, and it's the reason that he fought Logan Paul. Yeah, definitely. You know, he put everything on the line for that fight. Floyd Mayweather walks in there, Logan Paul's punch a chance, somehow fucking connects and knocks that guy out. His legacy is arguably tarnished. For him to put that on the line, it's not just about money, it's about he appreciates what that can do for his market and for his long-term business. And um, yeah, I just just hope that these fighters are smart enough to use the attention that's on their sport right now. Yeah. One thing about the celebrity ones, I just wish they did it for like charity or something. Yeah. Like the fact that they're just making millions off it is kind of yeah. a bit shit. But. You know, it's, they've got the power to make the money and quite often they're not as generous as we'd like them to be. So donate some of it to 42 for CF, baby. Let's go. Logan Paul, when you listen to this, you just yeah. heard it. Um, talking about some real boxes now, we saw Canelo versus Plant weighed in and the fight started a bit early. I'm so excited for this fight. I watched the... Um, I can't remember which network, it might have been Showtime, um, released their first episode, which was about a 30-minute um, in the lead-up to this fight, showed a bunch of that weigh-in footage, showed a bunch of the training and a bunch of the interviews going into this fight. Anytime Canelo fights, I'm going to watch. He's an absolute legend and arguably one of the best right now. Um, Kayla Plant, though, he looks scary too. And I don't know, I've got a feeling about this fight. Like, we spoke about it before, and... A bunch of people come out and say to the plant, do you really think you can beat Canelo? He's unbeatable. And he goes, unbeatable. The guy was beaten by Floyd, obviously a much younger Canelo, many, many years ago. He's matured and, and grown as a fighter since then. That Triple G fight, or those Triple G fights, that first one, I watched it. I thought it went Triple G's way. Um, the second fight, decision goes in Canelo's favour, but also so fucking close. He's not unbeatable. He looked shaky in his last fight. He, you know, and, he, and that's, you know, you can say on any athlete's day, they're maybe not their best or, you know, boxing is one of those sports that takes a very minute mistake and you're on the canvas. And, you know, Plant's a bigger guy. He's fucking sharp himself. Um, and I, I really like Caleb Plant's story. He lost his daughter. He's fighting for more than himself. Um, there is so much motivation that comes from that when you're fighting for, you know, as I always say, purpose fuels progress, and that guy is full of purpose. Really excited for that fight. That weigh-in just showed how much animosity there is heading into this um, title, and fuck, I really, I'd really love to see an upset. Like I said, I'm all for that underdog story, and um, I'm definitely not emotional enough about Canelo to, yeah. to care if Caleb Plant lifts that belt and um, unifies the title. 
And that's one thing we always say, especially about combat athletes. You need to be kind of confident in your ability no matter what you're doing. Like, you mm. don't want to be cocky. You have to be fit. Like, you want team sport guys to be humble. Yeah. But if you're a combat fighter, if you're getting into the ring and you're thinking, I'm not going to win or this guy's going to knock me out, you've already lost. Hundred. Like, I can't ever imagine getting into a ring with someone if I wasn't thinking, I'm going to win, I'm going to knock them out because that's half the battle. So, mm. like, I don't know when people... Journos expect them guys to be like, it'll be like a close fight and he could definitely get me. If you're saying that before the fight... All that, if like, if I'm going to fight Duff right, and you interview Duff, and you're like, how are you feeling? And Duff goes, oh, you know, like, Jed's looking really good. Like, he might get me. I'm going to be like, fuck yeah. I'm yeah. in his head. He's mm. expecting me to win. Rent free. Yeah, Rent free, exactly. Maybe. So, like, after, that's, after the thing, that's when you can come out and be like, he was the better man on the day, or, like, he gave me a good show, but I won. But to expect these fighters to say anything else other than I'm going to win just fully underestimates what is needed to be a combat fighter. Yeah, 100 um, and you know, I'm all for the his hustles, a little left, right, good night, and um, I'll have my ass glued to the lounge. I think it's November seventh, um, as that fight goes head to head, eleven a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, and um, I'm I'm all eyes on that telly, um, and I'll be paying for that fight. So let's go, Caleb Plant. November's looking like a huge month for combat Ooh, sport. Big month, big month. Just a quick shout out now, changing tracks a little bit. We don't talk much about soccer. But this story definitely deserves some recognition. Josh Cavallo mm. came out over the last week and became the first ever A-League player to be openly gay and I think maybe the third professional soccer player ever. Yeah. Just takes enormous courage to come out in a sport and in an environment where things like that are definitely frowned upon by large parts of the audience. And one thing that's been pissing me off is a lot of people in the comments being like, why does he have to announce that this isn't news and stuff? But if you look at it, and he's the first ever... Yeah. I don't know how you can argue that that's not newsworthy. It's not common for a lot of these guys. It's not going to be acceptable. So, mm. like, it takes so much courage to be like, I'm going to risk myself and the stuff I'm going to get to really just live who I am. So, yeah, I'll, I'll tell a little bit of a story on the back of that. So, obviously, um, huge credit to Josh for having the courage and the pride in who he is as a human being to be authentic enough to come out and have this conversation. And you just said there, people arguing that this isn't a story. Well, I'd say... Uh, my argument to those people, what makes this a story, is to just move back into the boxing world for a moment. Harry Garside, fan of the pod, um, we're all fans of Harry Garside, comes out this week and puts up a post where Floyd Mayweather said no to a fan photo because the fan, this young boy, had painted nails. Um, And Harry Garside put up from one Olympic bronze medalist to another... Um, I guess I won't be getting any photos with Floyd. Harry paints his nails, he's pretty open about it. And Harry's quite a controversial, different character for the sport of boxing and combat sports in total. Um, But as we've spoken about, authenticity is the key and he's an authentic and honest man, which we love and we're really supportive of here on the show. But what blew me away is the comment section on Harry's post. People taking the piss out of him. Why the fuck do you paint your nails? Fucking toughen up. That's fucking gay. Like, the, the abuse on this post, for a guy who's not, like, never once come out as gay, bisexual, has got lovely fucking partner who he's, he's moved to Bondi for, and she seems like a lovely human being. He's a 100% straight man. The comment section blew me away. I'm like, how fucking ignorant are some of these fans and these people that this is a guy who isn't gay, who isn't a part of that community who cops that kind of criticism for a choice to paint his fucking nails 
And then you can, how can you argue that it's not a story then for a player in professional, men's professional sport to come out and admit that they're gay? Yeah. Exactly. You know how much, like, credit to him because he's going to cop so much criticism for this and he shouldn't, but he will. He'll cop so much criticism. There'll be so much controversy. It'll outpower, um, it'll literally outpower however he plays this yeah. year. The story will be openly gay player, Josh has a good game, has a bad game, struggles in this game, performs in this game, has this moment. It will overshadow everything he does for the rest of this season, arguably for a few seasons of his career. So I think it takes incredible balls and courage to come out and say, this is me, this is who I am, and I'm open to the consequences. And so he should. It's his life. Um, and I think the hide in the shadows of it um, is would be devastating to see someone who feels like they can't come out and be themselves. So... Huge credit to Josh Cavallo. Maybe someone we reach out to for the show. Um, I'd love to have him on, and I think insane courage. So good on him, and I think you know we should be seeing more of it in sport, regardless of whether it's a player you know openly addressing their sexuality or their mental health or whatever it may be. You should have the courage to come out and be yourself and be honest. So I'm all for it, and um, we're in his corner for sure. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's just awesome to see like more and more people coming out and being more comfortable. It's, it's great, and it's great for the fans. Like, you just know, imagine how many gay A-League fans there are who come out and go, fuck, he's our guy. Like, he's the guy that flies the flag for, for how I feel and for the insecurities that I have around this or the challenges that I've faced around this. So it's really cool to see. Credit to him. Or just even, like, young soccer players thinking, mm. like, there's no one like me. Now they've seen a guy and they're like, he's gone through what I've gone through. It just, yeah. it just opens it up that little bit more. Even, yeah. even for the, the young players, like you said, that aren't gay. Or aren't even questioning that, but just have some sort of insecurity about who they are, or struggle with the authenticity of being themselves for the fact that they may be judged. Like you know that guy and the, the show of his courage. Um, you know we hope to see everyone come out and be themselves in world sports. So good Absolutely. on him. Um, from someone who did something really good to a couple of people that have done some really <laughs> shitty things. It's everyone's favourite segment. We've got drop kick of the week. <laughs> We've got a few options for you boys this week. Obviously, we just talked about the fans in the comments of Josh's post and stuff like that. We've got Kyrie and his anti-vax fans who crowded the Brooklyn Nets home opener with fan with signs saying, we support Kyrie and trying to cheer him on for letting him play and stuff like that. I know we said we wouldn't talk about it, but I just had to point out how fucking stupid this stuff is. Yeah, um, certified drop kicks of the week. But who my real drop kick of the week is, is the Philadelphia 76ers NBC commentator. I can't remember his name, but there was a play in their game against Oklahoma where Josh Giddy gets out on a fast break, goes up for a layup, and B jumps too late, axes him in midair. It wasn't malicious. He, I think he just thought he was going to get the block. He was more yeah. athletic than he was. Axes him, takes him out. They both take a really scary fall, and that's the worst thing you ever want to see in sports. No yeah. matter who it is, you don't want to see these guys injured. The commentator comes out and goes, I could care less about Josh Giddy, but I'm really worried that Embiid fell. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah, fucking brain snap. It's like you forgot the mic was on. Exactly. I'm like, like that's the thing. Like, you have to be a human being before a sports fan. Yeah. Like, Amen. It's like anything. You know, you see, you know, you see a player go down, head knock in any NRL game, whether it's the opposition or not, you go, fuck, I hope he's all right. Exactly, yeah. Um, same thing on a basketball court. Same thing on an NFL field. Same thing when a boxer goes down. There's the elation of, oh, my fighter's just knocked this man to the canvas. Holy fuck, why hasn't he moved? I yeah. hope he fucking gets back up. And there's always that scary moment 
of dead silence and patience where you wait for them to rise back up and hopefully be good again. And um, thank God that Josh Giddy got up off the floor and hopefully we keep seeing some of his brilliance this season. And that's the thing, like, I'm not saying that Giddy deserves more worry than Embiid either. Like, obviously yeah. with his history of injuries, it is scary to see him fall. But it's just scary to see two people in that position. And yeah. to say you could care less about a guy because he's on another team is just a dickhead move, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, amen. All right, let's keep it a bit happier then. Tip of the week with Dazza, what do we got? Tip of the week with Dazza, I called him this morning. I said, hey, mate, where's your tips? And he said, oh, fuck, I'll get them to you straight away. Um, so, And he's actually just texted me, are you on the podcast now? Yes, we are. Um, do we have a report of how he went last week? It wasn't good. <laughs> let's just say that. It wasn't good. Um, it really spoke to our Dazza's tip of the week slogan, wins 30% of the time every time, because it would have been thereabouts. Um, so we'll roll the intro for Daz's tip of the week and we'll get into it. So for Saturday, Saturday the 30th of October, actually my sister's birthday, so maybe it's a little bit of luck for dad. Um, he's gone with Sydney. Or Sydney races here today. We've asked him for his typical four. And as you know, you take the four for what they may be and you put them in a fucking multi and hope to God that it w it's worth a house deposit. Um, that's what I'm doing right now. Nice, nice. That's my strategy. That's my strategy for income. Passive income, people. Um, passive income. And, <laughs> the barefoot investor. Um, as always, we'd like to, disclaimer, gamble responsibly. Um, please don't lose your house over these tips. Because, um, fuck, if you put enough money on you might you might just... <laughs> Um, he's gone with race six, number two, Masked Crusader, a horse that many of you probably know, a um, bit of a veteran of the racing game. Race seven, number four, Apache Chase. Race eight, number six, Delexio. And race nine, number five, Ma and Pa. Package them together in a four-leg multi. Bob's your uncle, you're a fucking billionaire. Let's I think, go. I think I've been on Mar and Pa before. And yeah. won me money. It's got Good a bit sign. of a ring to it, doesn't it? Good sign. I like the names. Mars Crusader, Apache Chase, Delexio, Mar and Pa. There's a ring about Daz's tip of the week this week. I feel good. I feel connected to a couple of wins. Uh, let's just say he's fucking That's not overdue. a good sign, though. For last, Remember last time you, your hot take was yeah. Dazza? Yeah. <laughs> Don't mention it. Don't mention it. Good segue from Duff there into our hot takes. <coughs> Shocking week all around. No, one, no one's done well. With I me. got so over cocky and confident. <laughs> I went with a fucking sixteen game. I thought it was a bit of a heat check, but yeah, it was it was big, and I'm gonna settle myself this week. So Brad's obviously fell through. We all knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, Duff's went with Paddy Mills to carry the Nets. Three out of four wins and twenty points in each game. Yep. So he's got, he got two out of four wins because I knew they would lose to the Hornets. But he dropped four, five, 21, and 11. So, mm. bit up shocking. and down for our man yeah. there. Not quite. And then I came out riding the young Aussie saying Josh Giddy by this time would have a triple double. He didn't. Yeah. He had one game where he got close. I think he had like nine, seven, and eight. Yesterday he had a double double, but he only had two rebounds. Mm. So I just want to say, Josh. Just get your head out of your ass. That yeah. was embarrassing for me. It was embarrassing for you. Come on, you're like 6'9". Get more than two rebounds. Yeah, I agree. But can we right the ship this week, boys? Can we finally drill some home and get the trifecta? I don't I think, think so. so, but I want to see what we can try. 
Can I just say something, boys, before we give our hot takes for the week? Of course you can. It's your point. Right. <laughs> Last week was tough. Last week was tough. But remember, without failure, there's no win. It takes failure to learn lessons. And there's no such thing as failing. It's learning lessons. It's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Amen. That's where winning's made. So as we walk into this week, I say that we walk forward, we stand tall, we charge ahead and we make some bold predictions because our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate, but that we're powerful beyond measure. And with that, I'd like to kick off my hot take with four fights. Let's go, baby. Markachev beats Hooker. Jan beats Texera. Tejira, whatever the fuck we're calling him. Sander Hagen beats Petter Jan. The fourth. You ready for it? I'm ready. Drum roll. Caleb Plant knocks out Canelo Alvarez. Bang! Cross kick. One of them. You're going to have to wait that little bit longer. But it's going to feel even more saucier after the three get up this Saturday. Us, us, us. That's my hot take. All right, all right, all right. Duff, can I ask you for a second? Check that score for me again. For the Bulls. A lot's going to hinge on this score. Oh, wow. A lot's going to... Wow. My take's going to... My stomach's just dropped. Okay. I'm so I'm nervous feeling a bit sweaty. what you to say right now. Okay. Do you want to know? Or you, I, I want to know. They're down by four at half time. All right, all right. The Bulls will stay undefeated. By the time we get back next Friday, I think what, we have like three, four games. I'm just wow. checking that now. It's yeah. going to be tough. Wow. But I'm riding the hot hand. We didn't lose in preseason. We haven't lost yet in the season. That's like an eight-game winning streak. Wow. Four points, nothing. That's like two Zach Levine shots. We'll get that in like 20 seconds. I'm fucking on the edge of my seat right now. You got Jazz, you got the Celtics, and 76ers. Done. Easy. We beat the Knicks, we're home free. The Jazz are frauds, I've always said this. I love Jingles, but I hate Utah. I hate everything associated with them. Rudy Gobert... Just a, oh. You don't like him. I'm the oh. I'm the furthest from a Rudy Gobert fan you'll ever find. That hurts. 76ers are in purgatory. They don't have Ben. Mm. Who's locking us up? No one. Mm. And then what was the other one there? Celtics. Celtics. Easy. <laughs> yeah. He's going Bulls season. Bulls. Bulls no, season. The Bulls. We'll be 8 no. 8 and 0. Oh, that is my pick. He ain't here for the bullshit. He's here for the Bulls season. Undefeated, he reckons. Let's we'll go. Have to wait and I like see. it. Okay, with mine, we're doing a bit of a cross code as well. We're doing NBA, NFL, a little Hail Mary head-to-head home run. Wow, shit, baby. What's yeah. up? Okay, so we've got the Lions versus the Eagles. The Lions will win. Nice. Wow. Jaguars Big. versus Seahawks. They haven't won yet in America, but the Jaguars <laughs> will win. Wow. Hornets. First US soil win for the Jags, he says. That's the two NFL. Then we go into NBA. Hornets versus the Heat. Hornets win. Easy. <laughs> Jazz versus Box, the Jazz win. Wow. OKC versus Warriors. Wow. OKC, uh, OKC win. All underdogs, I respect yep. it. Pelicans versus Suns, the Pelicans win. Jesus Christ. Fuck. We're either going to go 0 from 8 or 8 from 8. Hey, Duff, can you buy a lottery ticket too? Like, I think if, this, a, if this pays. Let's just say the man will be Pelican or he'll be dancing in the thunder. He's got Jazzy with it. He's gone eight I'll t- selections. I'll tell you what, boys. If this if this gets up, I'm buying the I told you so shoes. 
Oh, huge. That's it. Huge. Huge. <laughs> that's what blokes and their balls is all about. Big fucking balls when it comes to hot take time. Duff's got them, but can he execute? We'll I'm proud of all of us. We took one straight in the jaw and we came back even wilder next week. That's unreal. This, this is fucking real Gypsy King. Lift your fucking motherfucking <laughs> ass off the canvas type of shit and keep on fighting into those late rounds. The boys are showing a lot of heart here today and I'm all for it. Huge. I think we're going to need some safe ones in the next few weeks so none of us are doing that chilly challenge. (laughs) Yeah. This got really fucking heated and excited and pumped up at the end of today's pod. What a way to finish. We'll just wrap it up quickly with our favourite chat where we talk about sports-related things in Fit of the Week. Mm. Had some awesome ones. We'll start with PJ Tucker rocking this bright orange. He's the sneaker king. He's always going to have something good on his feet. What a dude. I accidentally called him Pat Bev in the lineup and <laughs> spent 15 minutes trying to figure out when Pat Bev ever wore a good outfit. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was PJ and he's always looking good. Yeah. Warming Amen. up in those Carhartt. No, not Carhartt. Yeah. That, yeah. Were they Carhartt, Carhartt? Yeah. yeah. That, that was, was the mad. ultimate collaboration shoes. I like Carhartt, Jordan, Space Jam, fucking Monkey Milo, fucking. There was huge, everything going huge. on in those shoes. Famously, Jimmy Butler wore them in a game once, which oh, was wow. just. In unhinged yeah got hate for it as well yeah but yeah. very PJ Tucker-esque who is known to break out 40 year old Jordans that are worth 3 million dollars and break them yeah. before half time because they haven't yeah. seen light in 20 years fair play Zion rocked up with an all anime inspired fit which probably depends your feelings on anime if you liked it or hated it Duff mm. seemed to be a big fan I like I would have liked if it was just one piece but all of them was a bit as in mm. like one piece like the anime no, but that's a good little yeah, pun. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Almost the biggest anime fan on the planet. Um, you see what I'm getting at there? <laughs> all anime, also Definitely very big. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson always looking nice. Yeah, the he definition casual, of drip too hard, eh? Yeah. Really nice. Never never overdoes it. No. I've never seen him and been like, you're doing too much. He, always, he knows himself. He knows his style. If I could spend right now any time with an NBA player just to go through my wardrobe, you know what I mean? Mm. Just to just to make a few selections, trade a few pieces, re-sign some fits. Um, Jordan Clarkson's my guy. Definitely. I was thinking about that. On the drive down, I was wondering, I was like, who's one NBA player you'd want to spend a day with? So yours would be Jordan Clarkson? We're talking for outfits or just generally? Just general. Because I thought of it when James Harden gave um, Travis Scott that Lambo. The Cactus Jack yeah. one. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Um, good question. Good question. It's a tough one, too, because you think of a lot of your favourite players, but I feel like playing good basketball doesn't really connect with being a good hand. Yeah. Like, you'd pick LeBron, and then you end up spending all day, he's sitting in, like, a cryo chamber and then going to, like, yeah. meetings with fucking Warner Brothers. Like, I don't, yeah. you're not really going to enjoy that that much. Yeah. I was thinking PJ Tucker, because when, when they won last year, his, like, post-season celebrations looked crazy he would mm. he'd go hard yeah Duff had a big weekend too eh yeah you see that story heard <laughs> all about it yeah um yeah maybe I'll go Geordie you know I'm trying to up the wardrobe yeah. at the moment so yeah. I like it I reckon Lamello oh read yeah. a really good feature by um Tyler Tynes for GQ about he shadowed him for like a week and mm. just sounds like the funniest dude especially if it was out of season I think you'd just get up to so much shit it'd be hilarious yeah. okay. do you see that clip of um I can't remember. One of his brother's dogs was in the house and they're like chasing him around. <laughs> Fuck, that was so funny. 
keeping it on the Fitz. Jalen Green, the second pick for Houston, he's definitely going to be a contender in the Fitz going forward. Like Harry, actually, he is sort of changing the NBA. He paints his nails, mm. he ties his hair up, he's got some weird tattoos, but he wore a really awesome fit, a sort of like like samurai-inspired shirt, just looked awesome. Well, you heard me at the start of the show get him and um, Jalen Brown confused, and it's because I am a Jalen Green fan. I follow him on Instagram, and the reason I'm a Jalen Green fan is that man knows his way around a fit, so I'm all for it. Yeah, he was one of those dudes, he had like 10 million followers when he was like 14. Yeah. Just crazy. Must be nice. <laughs> and then taking it out of the NBA world, we've already talked about him a little bit, but Caleb Plant rocked up in an amazing suit and some pretty dodgy looking sunnies, if you ask me, yeah. but... That's a stab at my um, affiliation and affection for Off-White. Um, you know, obviously a Virgil, a Blue fan over here. And what he's done at Off-White, what he's done at Louis Vuitton. Um, you know, those glasses always hit. They never miss. They did look good. I've got to say, there's something about that Off-White logo on the side of those black glasses that screams fucking class. and um, Very classy from Caleb Plant. And that was it. That wraps up Fits of the Week. So is that it for the week, boys? That's it. We've touched on everything. Um, one thing we want to say, the inclusion of a new segment moving forward. Um, the crystal ball himself, Liam Duffman Duffy, come up with the absolute omen of the century last week with Stafford Street. It didn't quite come to fruition. It was close. Well, who knows? It was There's close. so much of the yeah. season to go. Um, but we liked where he was headed. And um, we liked the idea of quite wild omens and where you can pull them from. I think... If you look deep enough into anything, you can find a conspiracy exactly. or an omen um, to share. So um, in the weeks coming, where it feels right, where it feels natural, because that's where the medium, the omen man himself, does his best work. Look, the um, omens come to me. I don't go looking for them. They come yeah. to me. You boys watch Harry Potter? Yeah. It reminds me of like Trelawney when like she's trying to do all her little bullshit predictions, but then sometimes she gets the real ones. We don't want to force stuff to just mm. throw out some hot takes. If it comes to him, it comes to him, and that's where the real magic yeah. will happen. So, Amen right. to that. So maybe it's a consistent segment. It depends how much the, the spirits speak to Duff. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Amen. Any wise words from you boys to the end the pod? Go Bulls. Have a good weekend. Next, baby. Let's go. <laughs>